And do you feel the pressure from Derry? You're right, right in the title race. Oh, pressure is for brass straps and tyres, pal. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 220, and it's me, Gary P. And of course, it's the prof, Carl Riley, but not as you know him. <laughs> God, I hate Rod. He is buried in the lair, quarantined away. Prof, I hate, how are you feeling? I hate Rod, but I hate Colwood even more, to be honest. Uh, probably be funny for people listening back last week as we were talking about the little cold I had. Which uh, turned out to be a second bout with COVID because uh, after, that was like ten at night we finished that, yeah. and then like two or three hours after you went home, I got a lot worse, and I was like, "Oh, hang on," <laughs> and then, only then I test myself, and um, yeah, turned out to be COVID again. And Prof has COVID stats. Here's with this stat. This is a cracker. Yeah, COVID stats. Um, Exactly one year ago to the day, I tested positive the first time, October 13th. So, super spooky wookie. Would you fuck off? Nuts. But yeah, like we said, like you heard on the start of the show, squeaky bum time prop. Um, I'm nervous, but we're going to talk about this week. I'll take Our take on Mold and Draw the Games, we look ahead to Pats and Tala on Friday. We have a photography special edition on the Tifty's Hotline. This is a cracker. So starting 11 or overs at photographers and a mix of professionals, hobbyists, who will tell us what they love about it and why. So it is very, very cool. Um, you're going to love this one. And it's great to hear some of them who possibly pay the bills with doing something they love, which I think is it's a gift in life that not everybody possesses and can do. So it is very cool to find people passionate about what they love as well as a hobby. So, yeah, Prof, Zoom again, your favourite. Yeah, I really enjoyed this hotline. Um, it's a, an important part of the club, really, isn't it? Like photography, huge it, it captures and these iconic moments. But um, <laughs> the fact that we've started eleven of them as well is nuts. Yeah, I didn't think I'd get that many. Um, oh yeah, Zoom again, Gar. Um, it's well established how much I despise this platform <laughs> because uh, it proper <laughs> it affects with their rhythm. Um, but uh, you know the old split second delay and all that, but. What can you do? I'm trying to find the positives in my COVID circumstances, Gary. My my Roddy Buke arrived uh, so I can finally get going on that. You must have got well stuck into that. I haven't said that, no. I haven't actually started yet because 
took a while to put the hotline together and the podcast together. So kind of after we do this is kind of my first time we can proper relax and get into um what is a marvelous addition to the fiction section of Eason. <laughs> Beside Lance Armstrong. Um yeah, so that is it. We are talking about Stafford's cousin. Stafford's cousin, he says, what's the level up from a tonking? I don't know. I think a tonking is the main level, isn't it? Like four or more is a tonking. That's it. Everything else. I think if you're looking for more than tonking, I think you're just being greedy. Like you're in, you're in the territory of the Simpsons meme of stop, he's already dead. You're like yeah, Australia so. 31-0. That's sort of different yeah. stratosphere to a tonking. It was Western Samoa, wasn't it? <laughs> there was two Hammerins or Tonkins. Um, Western Samoa. It might have been American Samoa. I think you got me a book about that. Remember, you got me a book about all those mad tales of football. Oh, the yeah. Western yeah. Samoa one was in it. Yeah, I think someone scored Tordain. Someone scored Tordain in one game. Presume that's in your jacks now. Toilet reading. Definitely. I found my proud pile. And the, my proud piles that give me piles. <laughs> And just on uh, tonking, uh, Jim Conroy, our, our old pal, uh, sent us a photo from 1957 talking about the Man United game in the European Cup. And it was kind of an example of the old language they would use. And that is something I've, I've noticed because I used to research the papers a lot for results and lineups and all. So they were talking about the, the 6 0 defeat to United. And Danny Mount, and it says that robbers were well and truly licked. Well and truly licked. Is that one up from a tonking getting licked? I think it's their equivalent of a tonking. But <laughs> that was just old timey language. They used to use the word lick like that. And it reminded me of a grey headline I found years ago a friendly between Shelburne and Man City in 1947. So this was a little old shells, Gar. No one likes us. Little old shells. They won 4-2 against Man City. And the headline was, Shells Lick Crack English Side. Oh, madam. Do you know, do you know what the funny thing is about what you said there about Duff, about little old shells? The fact that he has totally and utterly 100% fabricated that narrative. He is the only one that has said that. Little old shells. Who who has said that? He has fabricated that narrative just to possibly give himself more time when he does get a few tonkins or whatever, you know? No underdog bullshit. He's he's a bit of a strange man. <laughs> I strange um man. I don't know why he keeps reiterating that he won't manage any other club. I mean, he's like he's even 40. Like he'll <laughs> he's very naive. He'll, yeah, he'll, he'll be around naive, a long time. He's very naive when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah, it'll bite him in the end. But we move on to the reaction to last week's show, Prof. And Tony Eustace in memoriam, and it was a cracker. Some uh, really close family and friends showing their love for him. So Jason Maloney said, a "Great in memoriam to Tony Eustace. I knew him, but not that well. I was a bit distant after the Tolka boycott. Fair play to Joe Glacken for mentioning it and not skirting over the issue. The tr- contribution from his wife was very poignant. Uh, brilliant once again." Brilliant stuff, and uh, the old lump in the throat when his missus started talking. I, I felt it just talking about how how much he introduced her and 
to Rovers and how, how much it took over her life, you know, it was a lovely, lovely story. Paul O'Dwyer, yet again, I find myself laughing out loud on the cusp of tears on public transport. Thanks to an in-memoriam session. Great listen, lads. Thanks. And Emma Wheatley said, you've outdone yourselves with uh, Tony Hughes' in-memoriam, lumping the trout throughout. Uh, it was a common theme, wasn't it? The lumping the trout. Uh, she yeah. Said, she said also the Tales from the East End outro seems a bit too on the nose after Thursday's disappointment. What an absolute banger, though. That was that was actually her choice of song, wasn't it? That that one last week. Yep. But the um, Norwegian maniac, as it was, bra- it was brandished, uh, bra- branded. But uh, just to say, big thanks to Alan Eustace for putting together that in memoriam for me. I didn't lift a finger to be honest. It was all Alan who got in touch with everybody, got the contribution sent in. So thanks, man, to that for that and. Um, yeah, I'm told the family were quite happy with it, which is, uh, you know, happy days. That's all that matters, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And there's one man we won't be doing an memoriam for anytime soon. It's Ricky McAvoy. He's alive and well, as it turns out. Who does this, Prof? Who makes these things up? It happens for, like, celebrities, but um, <laughs> why a Rawers player? I don't know. And how did Banger get a hold of the information and then tweet it and then we retweet it? Rovers actually tweeted out. So, if it was going to happen for any player, I would have said Ricky McAvoy because he's such a mythical player. He's like, he's not held amongst the greats of Rovers yet. When you hear people like Chase Maloney and Bill Gleason talk about him, they love them. Like, I say Bill Gleason was about to go on compassionate leave there when he heard this news, he, he would have been devastated. What type of player was he? Tell us as as fans and people who've never seen Ricky McAvoy play. Give us an, any fans who want to just get, tweet us out there. Tell us what type of player he was. Can you compare him to anybody in I the think, modern day? As far as I know, he'd be comparable to Paddy McCourt. That sort of like Ooh. twinkle toes sort of player. But um, I didn't know that. <clears throat> so yeah, quite odd that you know you get all the headlines, tributes flow in for. Ricky McAvoy dead at 55 and then the family confirmed that he's alive and well which is quite odd but um, distressing for them to keep reading that over and over again I'd imagine so yeah Uh, someone on Twitter dug up Prof's hoop scene article from 2014 where he jokingly predicted the team in six years time 2020 a certain ginger man from Chum was on the winning the team Prof yeah two out of eleven not bad. Um, I got Gaffney and Gannon Roy. Your uh, your brother in law was in there. Uh, Kieran yeah. Duffy, who was only ten at the time, he was gone viral with all his uh, ball juggling and all that. Um, I made up an American player. I said Twiggy would still be playing for us somehow with grey hair. Um, so yeah, got two Roy, considering it was kind of a half joke. And good news, Gar. We are up to a five-star rating on Spotify now with 80 votes. Five-star oh. podcast. That's how, you, that's how we roll, Pop. So our plea from last week obviously worked. I know it's asking a lot of you out there, lifting your finger and tapping one button, but look, we appreciate it. Don't worry with your fingers. Yeah, so, Prof, the social event of the year, of that weekend in particular, it's on the 11th of November. 
and we have the 50s player of the year award prof we're going all out on this one it's a big one we have a live show hosted by con and gertz the dynamic duo that is batman and robin of shamrock Rose football tv <laughs> oh yes we have no way home the best wedding band in ireland two hour set light show the whole lot full full band the whole thing and then to finish off the night DJ Jordan Duty and Daddy Sax, the saxophone man from the Black Forge. So that is how we're going to rock it, Prof. We have a saxophone player. This is the part I'm most interested in because, say, God forbid, you're going to have you were saying it. God forbid, we don't win the league. Oh, we're going to have a Player of the Year awards with a saxophonist just playing sadly in the corner of the room there. <laughs> <laughs> What, what a sight it will be, I tell you. It'll be raining like a wet Paris, uh, a dimly lit Paris laneway <laughs> with the soft jazz sax yeah. in the background. But that won't happen, Luca. Won't happen. See, we got to anticipate these things. But it's going to be a, the, the link is going out soon. Future ticket, and I'm looking after the tickets prop and all. We are really stepping it up from our mm. Rovers room and the four props. So keep an eye out on your socials. Trust me on this one. If you don't get a ticket, you're not getting in. We got to scan tickets. It's gonna mm-hmm. be like going to the turnstiles, prof. You're gonna be getting tickets scanned. The whole shebang. If you want to get a room, it's 155 quid with someone with breakfast. I'd advise you to get a room. There's a lot of people getting rooms. They're gonna stay on for the night, so it's gonna be a big, big, uh, a big night. Play the year awards, prof. And the voting mm-hmm. has commenced. We won't tell you who's leading the charge, but he's ginger. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like you say, Gar, proper event this time, 300 people, so we have to be as professional as ever, and I believe our protocols will be just like they have, or they're going to have in Qatar for the World Cup um, yeah, for fans similar. over there. I'm being told that um, by our very hands-on security team, led by one Mr. Jameson, that anyone who drinks too much will be sent to the sober zone and also anyone who doesn't drink enough will be thrown into the sober zone so basically the sober zone will be where it's at yeah and they will be forced to fight <laughs> um yeah so, yeah, that's, so... Yeah, keep an eye on our socials anyway right because the link will be coming up pretty soon 25 quid a pop you're getting a lot for that there's food involved and that and everything prop yeah it's also a surprise birthday party for barry so, uh, yeah. wear user fancy Hawaiian shirts in his honor. Mark Turner as well. Yeah, he he's no, he's bad. He's not <laughs> so amount of uh, Hawaiian shirts Barry has, and like you say, Gar, um, certain ginger forward is edging ahead in the votes, and just to make my stance clear on this, if he does not win this vote. <laughs> We will be disbanding this podcast. Yeah. So go ahead, like, make your choice. Go with your head or your heart. It is, of course, your choice. But just keep in mind, if you want a podcast next season, you know, developer. Probably throwing out threats. Also, <laughs> please refrain from putting in prank votes, please. Stop that. Yeah, I've noticed um, a few um, non-playing staff have been selected so far. And in 
slightly related news. Uh, the pub, which hosts last year's awards, the Four Provinces, is up for sale in an online auction next month for a cool half a million. Yeah, me and Prof doing a whip around, doing spot the balls, doing what we can to try and buy it up. But the four probs is for sale, 550,000, but it doesn't affect the tenancy. So it's still going to be the four probs. You're just going to buy a pub and they're going to run it for you and pay your rent. So that's how it's going to work. Um, the rent is probably cheaper than a lot of houses in Dublin as well. So you're just going to get someone renting a pub off you. But yeah, not a four probs. Um, keep an eye out for Derry on the 30th of October. We have a night plan there as well. Couple of uh, I think the South the South Stand Scum Collective will be DJing there, so keep an eye on your socials, and we will keep you posted. Um, Tifty's hotline, prof, big one. Uh, the questions are as follows: One, what got you? Now, don't forget, one one doesn't mean one. There's one A, there's one B, there's C, there's one dot two dot three. You can almost call it section one at this stage. So, what got you into following rovers? What got you into photography? And what made you pick up a camera? Two, how have rovers and photography come together in your life? If you work at the club, tell us about your role, what you regularly do. If it's your career, tell us about that. What gear do you use? Gear. Uh, has someone's work influenced you? Number three, photographs. Photographs. Do you have a favorite photo of a rovers game or moment? Do you have a favorite rovers related photo taken by you? What's your favourite picture with you in it? Is there any old photo from the past that has intrigued you for some reason? And why? I like that one, prop. Four, what's the biggest mishap you've had in photography? And do you have a funny story involving you this year? What motivates you to continue taking pictures economically, intellectually, or emotionally? And five, Rovers this season. Who's your player of the year? And what was your highlight of this season? So the prof has knocked it out of the park again with this one. And it's the Tifties Hotline mm. Part 1. We have yeah. Highbrow, the, the, the Highbrow King. It is McDermott, <laughs> Ferris, David Hoare, Paul Weaver, Mark McDermott, Andrew O'Connell, and Luke Fawnen. And if you've not seen already, definitely check out the video we are, we're putting up on Twitter and Facebook. Should be going up uh, Wednesday morning, so it'll actually show you every person's choice. So I'd advise clicking that video before you listen to this, because it, it helps with the old visuals. Uh, thanks to Kane Hopkins for that. Put it together. Uh, brilliant video. So, Excellent yeah, that's, uh, here, here comes part one. Hotline. Hi, folks. McDara Ferris here ringing into the Tifties hotline. It was my father who got me into supporting Shamrock Rovers, I think, to, to get us out of the house, myself and my sister, out of the house, um, give my mum a bit of a break when we were young kids. He took us to, to Milltown. Um and feel lucky to have been able to see Rovers play um, even for only for a couple of seasons um, in, in Glamour Park. Uh, I'm probably not the most um, kind of the best photographer. I don't have the best equipment. So other people ringing into the hotline will probably talk more about photography. But I just enjoy having a, having a camera. Um, I've always had a, a decent enough camera for a, a long time. I would have had one with a decent lens. But I've got a really good small camera with a zoom on it which I like to take to football matches makes a big difference if you can have a zoom but I really like having something that you can have in your pocket you're not really worried about it if you see something interesting you can take it out and having the likes of an iPhone camera phone in recent years um, I've really enjoyed that put a lot of um, photographs up on Instagram of corner flags for some reason of, of games that have been at um, street art would take a lot of street art in around Dublin during lockdown I would have taken pictures of every 
bit of street art within two kilometers and then five kilometers of home but if i'm away on on holidays i'll always look to to go and see the go and street to go and see the street art area uh, i don't work in a photography capacity for the club or um, but i am involved in the media team i do the the player interviews for hoop scene and i've written written for the program since probably 2007 and i've been doing the interviews since 2010 which is um uh, which is a real honor actually to be able to talk to to all the players involved in the, in, in the squad during during the season uh, even if we've a bit more pressurized this year with all the extra games but like the the players uh, want to be playing all those extra games it's a it's a nice hassle to have because we're playing in the, the Europa Conference League um, I do s- some other small bits of maybe video interviews that I've done for for the club um, in in recent years as well um, my favorite photograph taken of a Rovers game or moment is George Kelly's photograph from the first game in Tallis Stadium. It's the one of Gary Twigg scoring the very first goal. And if you look on the right of that image, you can actually see my flag that I hung on the ground on that night. It's just such a, uh, it brings a smile to my face when I think back to that game because um, it was such an emotional night. Um, we'd fought so long to get into the stadium for a long time. I really feared we'd never play there. There were times maybe where the club nearly went out of business. Um, so to get there for Twig to score the first goal and and, and it was the start of, of an amazing um, time in Tallis Stadium, particularly the first first few years. And Twig's certainly one of the best players I've ever um, ever seen playing for the club. My favourite photo taken by me of, of Rovers is probably of from the East Stand in 2011 ahead of the Ruben Gazan game in the Europa League um, in September. Beautiful sunshine, teams kind of coming out, uh, TIFO flag on the temporary seats at the south end. Um, and it probably because a number of my images, I would have taken a lot of images in, in 2011. Um, and I remember um, Jonathan Rose asked, could he get a copy of some of the images that were going to put them up in the stadium? And, and some of them are still in the club offices. Um, but they actually blew them up and had them in the tunnel, and uh, that was uh, that was brilliant. That the team, for me anyway, that the team came out past a picture of um, the team in the huddle in White Hart Lane against Spurs, and uh, the likes of that Ruben Gazan game, um, which which was brilliant. So the, probably the one from Ruben Gazan is is my favourite one, uh, and the favourite uh, image that I have of. With me in it is is taken from 2019, the day after the FAI Cup final, and it's me holding on to to the trophy. Um, you know, Rovers are the cup specialists, but I'd never seen us win the cup. It had been so long, um, and it was just a brilliant day. Uh, the day of the cup final and the celebrations afterwards that night. You know, been able to chat with some of the players and the the management and just friends. Um, reminiscing about what it all meant and obviously the team have kicked on since then to win a couple of league titles uh, and so that 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 cup day is really special so yeah i really really like that image um in relation to rovers this season who's my player of the year the, my hesitation there is uh thinking is it going to be rory gaffney or alan manis um and recency bias will probably swing me to alan manis um because I was talking to him today for, for the next programme. But uh, Carl likes his statistics, as do I. So we've been tracking um, Alan Manis's clean sheet uh, record, and he, he equaled the all-time record for the club in the league last week against uh, 
uh, Barry Murphy's record, although Murphy had 24 clean sheets in the first division from the 36 games in 2006. So Manus already had the Premier Division record and he's arrowing in on the the all-time record held by Alan O'Neill. Um, and Manus has just been the best, hands down, the best goalkeeper I've ever seen at the club and has been instrumental to the success in recent years and in, in 2011 as well. Highlight of the season... Probably go with uh, it's it's there's two three nil wins. Really enjoy the three nil win over Dundalk. Um, it was brilliant. We seemed to um, Stephen Bradley set up his team really well that day and kind of outmaneuvered them. That was really good. But probably the three nil home win over Hibernians. Um, just so important to to get through the first round. And it is um, it was we knew how important it was then. It's obviously proved really really important because we've got to the Conference League. But by being seeded and getting through that first round, it just opened up Europe for us. It gave us two back doors to get into. Um, and so probably that game really enjoyed. Very nervous beforehand, but it was a really good performance. It was a really big crowd. We've had some really um, excellent crowds this season and, and particularly in, in Europe. Um, so that's definitely the highlight of my season so far. Um, hopefully we might have a couple of more highlights to come before the end of the season. Um, but thanks for asking me to, to ring in and uh, keep up the good work. Always enjoy uh, always enjoy the podcast and looking forward to hearing the, the real photographers who are going to be talking in the hotline rather than, than myself. But thanks for asking me on. I don't really have an old photo of intrigue. So here's an image of my great-grandfather who was the head gardener in the People's Park in Dunleary and the owner of quite the uniform and splendid hat. Hello, Tifty's Hotline, uh, David Hoare here. I became a Shamrock Rovers fan through work. Prior to that, I'd never actually been into League of Ireland. Um, so I worked in disability addiction and the mental services for 18 years now. Um, some models way back in July 2009 wanted to go and see Shamrock Rovers play, so I brought a few of them to see a game. It was actually Shamrock Rovers versus Hibs of Scotland in July of that year. Um, we actually won 1-0. And since then I've been hooked. And I guess even today now I'll be a big advocate for League of Ireland. It's a smashing league, you know. Um, so due to work, really, I'll probably attend 10 to 15 games a season. If I don't go at work, I usually go with my son, Jaden. Um, but one thing that stands, stood out to me uh, since I've followed Shamrock Rovers is their ethos regarding family and community. Like in the past and up the present day, like Pat, people like Pat McQuaid, Jonathan Roach, Robert Goggins, Mark Lynch and Ross Cullinan have been very good to us. And when we approached them over stuff, you know, to help us, they've been really being spot on, you know. And for me, I guess, with photography, um, I wanted to learn to compose photographs using different genres, um, sport, um, you know, abstract stuff, um, portraiture. And, and, and really, it was through the portraits of an old film camera, an old Nikon F50 SLR, allowed me to to, to self-teach myself and walk around different apertures apertures speeds and, and shorter speeds and so on um i used to i used to also develop my own uh film and i had i had also print my own photographs I had a dark at one time and uh, i also did some work experience probably around 90 to mid 90s to late 90s i would have when i was in school i would have worked with some work experience tala echo and then when I left school, I would have done a couple of weeks with the Irish Times. And then for a whole year, I worked at Lensman Associates, which were a photo photographic 
studio and they're no longer uh, in business now but it was a great opportunity to learn stuff and um, just I, I suppose i did try a few things as a career but just due to other commitments it didn't happen but still a great hobby today um i guess the magic of taking photographs really rovers is i suppose being a rovers fan and, and through the ups and down through the years you can take great pictures of memories really something to look really good look back on and reflect you know last years i haven't really had a camera that works so i just use a tablet on my phone and just put um photographs on instagram and um, i like michael spencer jones he would have been very famous for doing work with oasis and the verve um so really abstract stuff you can make silly things like a fish look great on a, on a, on a picture you know um sport photography i always liked sports foil stuff i think they just really capture every moment the sending off someone the one someone running past the finish line you know the goal key moment just really spot on with their capture of images and then also i like david bailey too with his portrait work way ahead of everybody you know um my favorite picture of a rowers moment was in 29th of october 2021 we won our 19th title it was our second in a row we won three nil versus finn harps and at the end of everybody was on the pitch but it was just nice my son got onto the pitch you know and it was nice for him to get a picture of everybody in the background great key moment my favorite picture taken uh, was from one of our residents uh, bernard lapidus in st john of gods um that was his first game in in, in rovers and rovers were kindly enough to provide us with a season ticket for bernard and um, he'd watched many rovers matches on telly we'd never been um, so they fair play to Shamrock Rovers to provide with a season ticket for staff and for Bern for the season. So I can't thank them enough. My favorite pick of myself is well, there's loads really, but usually every week, my son and I, Jaden, sit behind the goal or we sit behind um, the dugout. So we're, we're usually on the on the, on the Facebook page of Rovers, which is nice, you know. Um, one picture really that intrigues me is the image of a father and this child per prior to the onward bombing it's actually where the picture is the picture is actually of a man holding his, his daughter aloft on his shoulders standing beside the red car which came in the end which came in the end that actually the bomb was in you know bomb was in the car the red car so it being in the wrong place at the wrong time really you know um so it really is significant really as well with that you know it stands out you know and it was just a second before i was taken the person the boat were killed tragically you know um Biggest mishap, I suppose, more than near, near miss. Uh, I was on work experience with uh, the Irish Times. They are covering a murder, a murder investigation. And, you know, one, one of the... It didn't happen to me. It happened to, the, to one of the photographers. Um, he let his camera fall, and I think it broke because some of the family members were swinging, which is only... You can't really blame the family members, you know. Paparazzi there taking pictures of their, of their loved ones, you know, who were under trial you know and it's going to be in the paper Um, funny moment that goes in relation to our we were at we we're at the giants causeway i was there with my wife and my son and we we observed there was a photo shoot happening there on the rocks all on the rocks there on the side and um some man i think he was i think he was asian an elderly guy was taking pictures you know and he was there with his wife and he, and he fell and he slipped and that was quite funny you know um although i no longer have a camera i like i always like to take photographs when i can daily if i can and it's just trying to challenge myself being anywhere so you can create a composition in any situation you know and i, and I do like to take pictures of many different genres and um, 
standout player today of the season really has to be Rory Gaffney, you know. I know a lot of the team are doing well this year. For me, Rory Gaffney, you know, his ability to run wide, provide, you know, he's a nightmare for defenders, especially in Europe. These European defenders can handle him, you know. Um, and then one of my favourite moments this season would that definitely have to be 29th of August versus Ferran Varish when Andy Lyon scored uh, the injury time goal. I suppose again, because by him scoring that goal, he was able to maintain Rovers as a 100% uh, home record in Europe. So, Tifty, thanks a million. Uh, take care and keep on hooping. Uh, this is Paul Weaver. Um, I guess I first got into Shamrock Rovers. Uh, my dad brought me to the game in 1984. I think it was about April. We were playing Limerick and Milltown uh, to win the first of the, the famous four in a row. Uh, I was in the, the the stand there behind the goal, and it was just the, the atmosphere was just amazing. I'd never seen live football before that, and that was the start of something that would last probably into a lifetime. In terms of photography, I got into that late, probably early twenties as such. Uh, I remember photographing an, an uncle of mine that's recently passed, and he was a uh, he was a resident out in St Rayfields uh, and salvaged with mental mental disability, and uh, he he connected with with a pet rabbit I had at the time, and it was just that interaction between him and the rabbit. And I picked up the camera really quickly and took a photograph, and um, as the man says, the rest is history. It kind of created a bit of a love of photography that's a bit like Rovers carried on forever. Uh, in terms of rovers and photography, uh, I suppose uh, since certainly in, in since the passing of our late friend Anto McDonald, I've taken a bit more role doing the photography for the, for the Shamrock Rovers Junior Hoops, um, which is pretty much what I do on match nights. Uh, I've been involved with the Junior Hoops for the last five or six years. Uh, myself and Bill Gleeson and Glenn Dunn, uh, and more recently Siobhan Keane got involved, kind of getting the, the, the Junior Hoops back up and running. It had been lapsed for a couple of years. Um, and uh, we decided to basically get it back up and running. We've, we've about 200 kids now involved. Uh, match nights, I'm normally there at about 6.30 in the evening. Uh, we get the junior hoops room open, get out the, get the kids all organised for stickers and lollipops and whatever else, paraphernalia we can give out on the night. And then we get them all set up then, really, and uh, most match nights we'd have something going on, maybe a colouring competition or something like that, a bit of a treasure hunt. But on match, my home match nights, uh, we get the kids ready at about about half seven, so all the kids are kind of bibbed out and flagged out, and we bring them onto the pitch, and we line them up then for a guard of honour for the for the team to come out, and the battle is always which set of kids want to go on the home side and which ones go on the away side. Generally, it's it's outnumbered by about fifteen on the home side, about five on the away side, but that's the nature of kids. But uh, seeing their smiling faces is what it's all about. It's why myself, Bill, and Siobhan do it now. Um, We've, we've introduced this season that the kids get to high-five all the players on the bench uh, before they actually leave the pitch, before the match starts. And that, again, the kids are just delighted they walk off with a big happy face that they've high-fived Jack Bourne or Aaron Green or whoever may be on the bench, Borky or whatever. And then outside that, we organise, uh, you know, meet and greets uh, with the team during the season. Uh, so we do a regular sticker thing. We do a Halloween party. We do a Christmas party. We have our own very uh, alubrious uh, Player of the Year awards, which is coming up at the end of the season. God knows who's going to get that one. But uh, the kids have uh, some some random ideas. It never really correlates with the fans, uh, the main fans uh, winner. But sure, we'll see how it goes this season. 
Uh, my favorite photograph of Shamrock Rovers, I've got about four to be honest. Uh, my very first earliest photograph I remember was in 1984. It's that famous photograph of the lads carrying the keeper over the Milltown flag. It's a fantastic black and white photograph. Not sure who took it, probably the great Bobby Best. Um, walking around Milltown, uh, it's just a fantastic photograph. I think it, it'll span the ages and it'll go on forever. Uh, more recently, uh, I've got two photographs from my old pal, George Kelly. Uh, probably not two that people will 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 identify with, but one was a fantastic photograph that George took of Stephen Bradley uh, sitting in the change room by himself on a bench. It's a really cool black and white photograph. Uh, it's like he's kind of deep in thought about basically how he's going to plan the, the, the events of the day. But obviously, whatever he was thinking, it worked because we won the cup that afternoon, as the man knows. Second photograph again by the great Georgie again. Uh, basically, this is the one where obviously everybody knows at this stage where we've got Super Gary Twig sliding in front of the Bohemians fans uh, for that winner against Bohemians. Uh, an absolutely classic photograph. If nobody has it printed and printed on their walls, then don't call yourself a Rovers fan. It should be your screensaver, your computer saver, saver, and it should be printed on your child's tattoo when they get older. And the last photograph I have, uh, thanks to Mark Lynch, uh, when we won the FAI Cup. Um, basically Mark uh, popped up one evening with 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 the with the cup and myself and the, me, my little lad Simon, uh, who's a Mad Rovers fan. Basically, we got some great photographs taken uh, with the FAI Cup in the house. And again, it's a little bit special as a club volunteer to be able to have the FAI Cup in your house, even for a few minutes or a half an hour. Kind of makes you feel part of a a really special Rovers family. Uh, in terms of motivating me to take photographs. I guess it's something I've been drilling into my little lad for forever is that, you know, you never know when the door is going to close and, and uh, you know, that's the end of it for, for people and whatever. So I've done a huge amount of weddings and anniversaries and whatever over the last couple of years, even more recently did photographs. And sadly, the person, people in the photographs have passed away a few weeks later. And you're always kind of proud to be the person that basically took the last family photograph, if it's going to be the last family photograph, whatever. Uh, I remember taking one of our old late friend, Anto McDonald, at the Junior Hoops Christmas party. Um, Anto was infamous for basically taking photographs. He was, he was constantly going around with his camera. I think he slept with it on his pillow. Um, but I think one of the last Rovers photographs, Rovers related photographs, uh, taken of Anto was by myself. Uh, we had the FBI Cup at the kids' Christmas party, and Anto was continually getting photographs. I remember saying, for sake, Anto, get in there, I'll get one more photograph of your cup, and then leave me alone because it's for the kids. Uh, so we took the photograph and he's a big stupid smile on his face with a cup in his hand and uh, sadly as we as we, we lost Anto a few months later uh, to Covid and um, the photograph was used on, on, a, on a couple of publications just to kind of highlight Anto and who he was and I was have to say I'm particularly very very proud of that photograph. Uh, this year, uh, player of the year, where's it going to go, who knows. Uh, personally I think it's down to two players, uh, Rory Gaffney has been extraordinary this year. Um, Alan Manis has been absolutely outrageously amazing, a bit like Ronaldo, just defies age. Um, I, I'm, is Al going to take it? I hope so. I think we we need a goalkeeper to win it again. And um, so um, my vote's gone for Big Al this year. And in terms of the highlight of the season, I don't think it's really happened to be honest. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully picking up the league title in front of the the, the Derry fans and uh, proving them that that's why we're champions and. Uh, they can head off back up to North End uh, with the tails between the legs, knowing that there is actually only one Shamrock Rovers and we are champions once again. All the best. Hey lads. Um, so my name's Mark McDermott and I'm just, uh, I'm one of the photographers for Shamrock Rovers. So to answer honestly, 
Um, I would say that, ironically, photography itself was what got me into following Rovers. So I moved to Dublin five years ago and I happened to see a post on the Rovers Facebook page and they were advertising for a position for an intern photographer. So um, I'd been a club photographer for my local club in Uri called Windmill Stars and I thought straight away this is a great opportunity to get back into a similar role and reignite my passion for photography. Uh, I think the first time I discovered my passion for photography came from doing a bit of travelling, like nothing major, just like city breaks and the likes. Uh, and it was a trip to Rome in particular where I noticed that I spent more time taking photos on my phone than I did taking in the sights for real. So this prompted a keen interest. Um, so jumped in and bought myself an intermediate level camera and things sort of transpired from there. So again, I was already involved with Windmill Stars, so sports photography just sort of fell into place for me then around that time. Um, so I work as a volunteer at Rovers alongside some other very talented volunteers and in the short time that I've been at the club, which is March this year, uh, it's been my main interest outside of my family life. So uh, I find myself always looking forward to the next match, uh, as we all do as fans. And My career isn't with Rovers or photography, unfortunately, but either of those will be a big win for me in the future if that's something that I could steer towards. Um, I'm currently shooting with Sony gear. Now, Sony wouldn't be uh, sort of the go-to for most sports photographers, but it sits right with me, and I've been cap capturing some fantastic images with it, so I'm happy there. Um, as far as influence, it's not really one person in, particularly, in particular that would influence me more so than just photographers' work in general. Uh, as an example, there was a display in Drum Shopping Centre which I came across earlier in the year and it was featuring the best press images and there was some amazing photos there, you know, so it's things like that that I take inspiration from and I, I even got to chat to some of the photographers there that I've seen at the matches, you know. Um, so to date, believe it or not, is the very first photo I took at Rovers back in March, which is my favourite photograph. Um, and that just happened to be a Bose game, so I don't need to tell you about the atmosphere at them games. Um, yeah, so it was basically a photograph of the, both teams lining out. Uh, the Rovers fans had their, they were at the far end, so you can see all their faces in my direction with the south stand behind them and a bit of um, atmosphere going on there. So uh, that was definitely my favourite so far. Uh, to be to be honest, I've never thought about what my favourite picture is with me in it. Uh, I'm very, very rarely in photographs in that sense that I'm always taking them. Uh, I suppose one of me earlier in the year with uh, three of my best mates at one of their weddings is one of, one of my favourites so far. And thankfully, I haven't had any big mishaps yet, but I am partial to the age-old blooper of going to capture something, like a, a real good image or a celebration, and realise that I have the lens cap still on or the card isn't in the camera. Um, in regards to motivation, uh, I think that my my photos have been well received, I think, by fans at the club and I've received a lot of nice comments and compliments from people around the club to include players and staff. Um, so it's things like that that motivates me and helps me sort of build my confidence at the same time. So. 
Um, for player of the year is for me it has to be Alan Manis. Um, any game that I've again when you're photographing the game it's hard to to focus on everything that's going on but he's for me he's been almost flawless in every game I've seen this year and he's someone I'd like to see stay at the club for a while longer. Um, highlight of the season for me has to be beating Bowes 3-0 at Daily Mount with goals from Andy Lyons, Danny Mondreo and Max Murphy which was an OG obviously so that was an amazing atmosphere again I think when you get a big derby like that it's always going to be that way uh, so again that was one of the big highlights for me. Andrew O'Connell, the Liberty Dublin Ace, served me apprenticeship under Georgie Kelly and Bobby Best. Georgie Kelly and Bobby Best is the blame for me getting into following Rovers, especially with the photography, because they took me under their wing when they blagged me way into Shamrock Rovers ground and uh, encouraged me, gave me all the support I needed and, and uh, pushed me along to become a better photographer. And my granddad, Johnny, and my uncle Christy were the sole people for uh, put me on the road to becoming a photographer. Picked up a camera because I wanted to capture the change going on in my community in Trees' Gardens many years ago. Um, that's probably the main reason why i am become a photographer. My photography at Rovers has brought me into the lives of many of the fans uh, uh, outside the game uh, where they called on me to, to cover photography for their family events. So it's uh, rolled into one really. The best of both worlds. Been voluntary with the club for five or six years now um, and happy out doing that gear i use is all nikon um, lenses and cameras outside of the game yeah a couple of influences in photography but league of ireland shamrock rovers georgie kelly and bobby best to be my two biggest influencers and mentors in learning uh, to shoot sports photography and stephen mccarthy and seb daly from sports file who've been uh, very supportive over the last few years you know and encouraging favorite picture at a rovers game is probably the big penalty shootout that Joey O'Brien scored the winner got a lovely shot of him in the centre with four players running into him the favourite picture that I'm in is holding the cup with uh, George and Bobby uh, behind the goal there at the south stand at the end of the season gone I love all old photographs uh, from the past uh, so much so that I have a an archive Liberty's photographic archive page on on the Facebook and I also manage the St. Teresa's Gardens folklore project uh, on Facebook as well which we'll be producing a book uh, for Christmas 70 years of St. Teresa's Gardens biggest mishap was probably halfway through a wedding that I was doing uh, had to leave the wedding go to the bathroom but not really I had to run across Stephen's Green to my car where I was parked on the far side of the Green from the Shelbourne and, and grab extra batteries and a, a second ba uh, camera flash and then get back without anyone anyone noticing I was missing. Too many funny stories. There's always a bit of crack and banter on the side of the pitch with the other photographers or the staff from the club, Stewie and uh, Dave on the sidelines. There's always a bit of banter there, so yeah. What motivates me to keep taking photographs is that it's so important to be capturing the change, you know, to be an archivist of what's going on in the city as well in, as at the club. I'm always motivated by people and places and changing and capturing those changes um, and I love documentary photography uh, it's a passion outside sports photography my player of the year I think watching the games I'd have to give it to Dan clearly he come in a, a, and being a rock there when Pico went out injured and uh, he's definitely one that I would you know had a vote he'd be on it there my important highlights for me every season is really 
seeing the kids teams coming in before the match from the different junior clubs and meeting outside Rovers uh, reception with Stewie and getting brought in through the back entrance where the players come in seeing the wall of victories over the years and all the cups and leagues that were won taking them out through the tunnel and meeting Stephen Bradley uh, for words of wisdom and then they're out on the pitch and they get to walk up and down and do the guard of honour for the players coming back in and then get the play at half time that, that stuff is priceless you know it's what you're doing in the club with that is uh, building and planting seeds for future players and future so, you know, connections to Shamrock Rovers and I think the club seriously should look at developing that whole area because a, a big dent was put into that through Covid but um, it's slowly making a comeback and uh, it's something I love to see um, at each home match um, young players getting the opportunity to, to have memories of playing in Tallis Stadium uh, in the home of Shamrock Rovers so yeah thanks lads for all the uh, questions hopefully all the other lads there are able to put it together as good as I did tonight <laughs> we'll take it easy and we'll see you around at the next game thanks a lot for uh, sending out the questions Hi my name is Luke Faulkner and this is my entry into the Tifty Sutler uh, what got you into following Rovers and photography? Well, I went to one of my first games with uh, one of my friends, and um, was a football and football. That made me come back, to be honest, and just went on from there. And I got into photography because I'd be doing social media graphics, whether it be matchday posters, you know, putting the images into the halftime, full-time graphics. But I'd see the images being used, and I'd always be interested in, like, you know, how, how were they taken, what the setup was, what kind of gear was required. And I just asked one of the Rovers photographers, George, um, could I give it a shot? And I did, and it's just grown from there. Like he's been a massive help to me. I really appreciate it. But that's that's really what got me started in it, and went on from there. Well, I'm currently working for the club, doing social media graphics. You know, stuff like match day graphics, sign announcements, fixture lists, all that kind of stuff. Daily graphics that go out on social media, and of course photography. So I'm currently shooting on a Sony A7 with a Sony FE 50mm 1.8 lens for portraits and stuff, kind of like wide angle shots, and then a Sony FE 7200 F4, which would be the main one that I'm taking pictures with at the matches. But to be honest, I'm looking to upgrade to a 300mm 2.8 sometime down the line, but uh, fairly expensive. Uh, I'm influenced by, uh, just to be honest, all the other photographers in the league and around at Rovers. I find myself comparing my photos to uh, Swartz file and info because you know you look at them they're the standard in this league you're looking at them putting out they're, they're professional organisations but if I can get any if I can get close to what they're doing then you know I'm doing something right so yeah probably compare them to Sports file and info and of course our lads uh, favourite picture that I've ever taken was probably at Derry at home uh, with the uh, pre-match display um, with the confetti the smoke and uh, the actual display so the pictures turned out really nice and uh, this lovely green here lots of pictures uh, I think it turned out really well and my favourite Rovers picture ever wow happy Ron Finn lifting the FA Cup trophy in 2019 uh, I've touched by them pictures on WhatsApp Uh, my favourite photo with myself in it would be from the squad photo shoot at the beginning of this season, uh, February 2022. 
uh, it was my first time working with the players one on one. Uh, I got a picture with Jack Brown. Both of us doing the weasel actually. And yeah, I've always loved Jack Brown. He's been my favorite player uh, since he's playing for Rovers. Uh, another close photo would be from me on my first European away day, which was in Ghent. But it's a close call. I think I go with the Jack Brown one and uh, sent it on a WhatsApp. So that's probably my favorite photo uh, with myself in it. Uh, biggest mishap I've ever had in photography. Nothing major, to be honest. Just the small things. I'd be forgetting SD cards, forgetting the chairs, camera, stuff like that. But no, really enjoy taking photos of the matches, which is what keeps me going at it. You know, it's also a great skill to learn. And, you know, great feeling being that close to the action, you know, getting to capture it, freeze it still. Then you go home, go through your pictures, and you find that golden shot that whatever you share with the players, share on social media, whatever. And they all love it, like, especially fan shots, and some of the players do as well. Uh, now, it's, look, it's a great hobby, I think, and being able to do it for the club by sport is one of my hobbies. Look, it's all I can ask for, really. Uh, my player of the year, it'll be a joint player of the year, to be honest, uh, between Andy Lyons and Rory Gaffney. Look, Andy Lyons have been super all year, but you know, I'd almost have to edge it to Rory Gaffney. Just the amount of times he saves us in games, coming up last minute, whatever, working his arse off. Oh, it's unbelievable. And um, highlight of the season, <laughs> after he bows away, with um, not the most recent one, but the one before that when. Max Murphy scored his own goal, uh, and Drive scored, and uh, Lyon scored. It's actually in the crowd for that one, and it was just unbelievable. Fell down with 10, 10 rows of seats, but now absolutely loved that game. It was brilliant. Anyway, uh, thanks for having me on, lads. Uh, really enjoyed it. Cheers. Yes, so part one, McDermott, David Hoare, Paul Wee for McDermott, Andrew O'Connor and Luke Fawn, and some brilliant stories there. Um... McDara Ferris, I actually why didn't I know he was a photographer? Or did I? Maybe he didn't, but um if you've been in the he mentioned that if you've been in the tunnel lately, actually a couple of his photographs are like lining the walls. So oh, that must be a thrill room. for him. And um Junior Hoops top man, Paul Weaver as well. Only opened the studio as well, I think, recently as well. Congratulations, Paul. Paying the bills, doing what you love. There's a mix of people who are making careers out of this, and there's a mix of hobbyists. So I thought that was kind of interesting, yeah. And I like that word. I'm going to use that from now on, a hobbyist. Yeah. Um, some of our more our newer additions to the media team, the likes of Mark, Luke, uh, Andrew's been there a little, probably a bit while longer. But, um, in, in the hotline itself, you heard there, some people kind of forgot to pick one or two things. And then... But then I kind of followed up on them because I wanted to have um, everyone to have their selection in the video. So, for example, um, Mark kind of went along with a pick by George Kelly later, the 1932 photo from a New York skyscraper um, of uh, some fellas having a lunch up there. He was intrigued by that. Paul Weaver chose uh, the Will Greed Kill the Hoops banner. The Milltown protests from 1987. Yeah, that's a great snap. And he had a photo of Anthony McDonald holding the cup. Uh, both Mark and Andy chose Greener with the corner flag. And uh, for the old photo, uh, Mark had uh, Eamon McThomas. This was a, a photo 
he's with, he's in the photo with Mark Farrell, uh, who he went to school with. So that's something that was interesting to him. And uh, Luke picked Gordon Banks saving the dog, which is a cracker of a photo. Brilliant photograph. Never saw that one before. Yeah. Uh, David Horror says we're naturals because it took him several takes to do this. It, it does take some people a few goes. Like, it's funny when, because nearly all done by WhatsApp. So I'll just see the thing on WhatsApp and it'll say, so and so is recording audio, and then it'll be like deleted. So and so is recording audio, <laughs> deleted, and that'll go on for a while. Uh, no one picked Gary O'Neill versus Scoopy as a season highlight, which I was surprised by. I thought when I asked that question, I thought, mm, could it's a highlight be... my season anyway. That's my number one. I so thought, far. could this be boring? Are twelve or eleven people going to pick the same thing? Not one person picked. I thought Sligo was another big highlight for me, but mm. definitely Gary O'Neill, 100%, 97 minutes. Brilliant. Now, this was recorded before the Shelburne game, so I wonder would people have selected the Gaffney's late winner if they had done it afterwards, possibly. Um. Also, a lot of people pick Adam Manus as player of the year. Would Gaffney's body had swayed them a little bit? If they oh. made the choice before then, Andy picks Dan uh, Dan Cleary, who again this is before his two goals versus Shelburne, and he had started six league games at that point. So I I don't think you can be picking a player who started six league games as your player of the year. That's yeah, just my opinion. Did. So that was our Tifty Hotline Togs edition. Halfway through there, you heard six fight more guys uh, later on. Yes, and that is it. We're going to move on to our own home record to Molda on Thursday. We lost it, Prof. God, 2 0 defeat in Tala. The team was Rory Gaffney on the bench. Never came on. Brad just said he had a knock. And Jack Bourne only started his second European game this year. So a strong team and uh, surprising enough, was it? Um, I saw some people refer to it as a weakened team, which I don't understand. You're basically talking about. Rory Gaffney not being in the 11 like Burke is on the bench as well yeah but Burke hasn't played much in the last few months so it doesn't feel like we're missing him if you know what I mean no yeah true um, true he hasn't been an, an integral part of the starting 11 and as much as I'm a big fan of him now obviously but it was a similar type team and mindset to your gardens at home I thought very similar in that, with the exception of, I suppose, he started Jack this time. Didn't start Jack in that game. Um, but yeah, their fans were um, yeah pretty noisy, weren't they? Strong prof, three hundred. Yeah, good little good little mob. Um, they had Fafana back as well from suspension, the most dangerous striker, nineteen year old. Um, he looked decent. Uh, Bodo Glimt had been beaten one at home to Arsenal in the Europa League. A couple of hours earlier, so like stark contrast, really, isn't it? I mean, Bodo Glimt are fifteen points behind Mold, and they're just getting a one 0 loss. And I think uh, we were we we're pretty much dominated, but we'll move on to our performance you know, soon in a while. But the Flames, prof, Tella was on fire. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm obviously stuck at home for this game, but um, you can tell us about the Flames. Were they exciting? 
Yeah, it was deadly. Flames all around the pitch was really cool. Definitely something I'd like to add to it. It adds to the match experience. Definitely kids will remember it and they want to come back. Yep, give me more Flames. Um, yes, but the, I think we needed them with the wet and the wind earlier on. But the conditions improved by kickoff, but uh, made it for a bit of a slippy old game. Colin Whelan was in, in attendance with his agent, Gary Rogers. So that was an interesting one. Yes, come on. Come on over to us, Wheelow. Yeah. So, Virgin Media for me at Hongar. Um, the first European game I've ever missed in Tada. So, no I, I way. Stats with the prof. Sad to let that record go. But uh, I've never missed a goal still, as it turned out. Um, so, the start of the game, Gar. Yeah. All guns blazing straight off the bat. Um, lovely little ball into Richie Tell. And this is something that we've been doing with Tell whenever we played him the last while, is letting him run off the shoulder of defenders. And he did very well, took a touch, great ball in, Greener needs to score these, it's simple, it's not good enough. You get a chance like this on your left foot, ball cuts across you, and a great ball in, you need to finish these. Can't, like, and that's the difference between being able to progress and do well at this level, and that's the difference between ultimately getting, what, one or two points. So, Greener needs to save these, unfortunately, or score them. Yeah, it was, I love this ball from Watts, the towel. To set up the goal, I thought that was a fantastic pass. And Watts, or sorry, Tell and Green are linked up so well this first sort of half hour. I really liked their sort of interchanges. But they, like you say, Greener has to score here. And that is the difference, yeah. We we, we missed five or six to these sort of chances. They, they score with their first one. But, yeah, I know. Yeah, Tommy, Tommy, are we talked about levels and like that's those are the levels. That's what that's why they're a level above, and he doesn't buy into that ideology that these teams are a level above. They are a level above because they got one chance and they buried it. We had a couple of chances and we couldn't take them. So those are levels, in my opinion. Yeah, we need five or six chances to score. They just need one. Yeah. But and first... we're going for it. Like we know we what we've learned this season, and we're trying to progress. And we know next season that we do have to be able to take these chances. It's all about learning. And progressing as a club, and it's our first season in this group stage competition. I wouldn't be too harsh on us. It's all about learning. First ten minutes in general, um, absolutely cracking game. Like this was deadly, wasn't it? You end just to yourself, end. Here we go. End to end, there was, and I just we looked. You compare it to mold away. We just looked so much quicker. It was so much more impetus. We were sharper. It was just, it was like, yes, we're out of here. Yeah. And typical home game in Talaway, we thinking in Europe. It was like, right, here we go. We're gonna, we're gonna be on it tonight. Yeah, I, I said at the time, it reminded me of Copenhagen, 2011. Remember the week we battered them for the first half hour, then they went up the other end and scored. Like it was so similar. But um, so let's talk about some of these chances. You had Finner. Finner, 30 minutes, prof on the left. But he drove a shot and it, I don't think it was ever going in. The keeper kind of fumbled it and went mm. out for a corner. So, um, yeah, the pressure was on. They could really feel it. They started to think, okay, this team can play. Yeah. Then Finner again, free header from a corner. Oh, um, like these, these, this one talking about any other team probably just buries these. You know, it's just we, we, need, we need to put them away. At least one of these three chances needs to be in the back of the net to give us a chance of progressing in any way whatsoever. You know what I mean? Yeah, Green Greener's all around play. In fairness, was excellent. His hold up play was was great. 
Um, but crucially, he always had support this time. Like he wasn't isolated like the home to your garden. He always had support by whether it's towel or Watts. I also loved Dan Cleary's surging runs in this game, this first half. Really, I love him advancing with the ball. I think he started to do a force against shells and he hit the bar eventually. But he he's really really confident and good on the ball. I like him going into space. I don't like him trying to beat players. I love him running into that space. He spots it so well. It creates pressure for the other team because they have to make a decision whether to let him come or to, to, to advance on him. And then that creates space in behind if they do advance. I love it. I love seeing Dan Cleary advance. He's one of the first names on the team sheet for me at the minute. Yeah, and then another chance for, for Green on 29 minutes. Um, yep. <clears throat> great dummy to um, set up the chance. And did nothing wrong, Green, in fairness. He... Um, it was a good shot, but um, saved by the keeper. Yeah. And uh, like we say, end to end, a minute later, they had a free um, with a back post header, just went over the bar. So we were, it, it was, it was a good game, like you said, Prof, bit of a ding dong. Eight shots to one in the first half hour. So compared also to the stats in Norway, it's the stark contrast there. Uh, yeah. 33 minutes though, Fafana, header put them up. Now, so you could say it was a mistake. Little clipped ball in into Fafan and he buries it. Now, fair enough, he's three to four yards offside, but he still buries it. Like there's no stopping this header, no matter what. So, but it's it's ultimately a horrendous decision by the Lino, and we we're totally totally screwed over. And the game is already we're already on the back foot then from a disgusting uh, decision from a terrible terrible official. So, what can you do? Yeah, we it's a it's a terrible decision. Yeah, like it's it's at least three yards offside, and and then what kind of compounds it is the greener one then the second half, which is marginal at best. I've looked at that a few times. Some people are saying, "Oh, he's definitely off." I mean, how I don't know how you can use words like that. It looks so level, and as people said, compared to this one, he's fucking ten yards onside. Yeah, fo- um, football frustrates me nowadays, especially with well, the goal um, itself. Interpretations. The goal, yeah, shouldn't shouldn't have stood, but the goal itself it comes from a lovely ding cross, heads it down into the net. Their first chance of the game, and they take it. Um, it's just them being clinical, isn't it? And then, yeah, until that point, like they were happy to sit off and hit us in the break, but then they actually did have quite a, a decent spell. Um, kind of the last six, seven minutes of the half, and we kind of we had to see it out. We had to stay in the game and keep it at one nil at that point. Yeah. And uh, we Zal girls in Lithuania. They were one up after twenty three minutes, which meant we were the only team still waiting on our first goal in the conference group stage. Yeah, and we still are the only team. Yeah. Um. Then we had a big save by Adam Manis from the goal scorer for Fana. Um, he was true on goal. Um, I love the commentary from Gertz here. He goes, uh, he eyes up Fafana and Fafana blinks first. <laughs> um, not not exactly breaking news, Gareth, but Adam Manis has been outrageous this season. Do you know what? I want to see a save compilation. We've seen all the goals. We've seen all the goal of the month competitions and all this. I want an Adam Manis save compilation. I say it would be mental. 
save of the month and tackle of the month should be a thing as well, shouldn't it? In my opinion. Yeah, something like uh, Pigo against, against Shells. The way, he, the way yeah. he threw his body in the line, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hashtag assist sort of matter, don't we? We get assist of the month for Maloney. Um, yeah, so for, like we said, 42 minutes. Uh, we spoke of Alan Manis just staring down the barrel of a gun and catching a bullet. And he was, it's just un- unbelievable. So it's something, I don't even want to talk about it. I'm not talking about Alan Manis anymore. Because we currently know information on what's going to happen with him at the minute as regards to his slight injury that he got drawn. But we'll talk about this game and continue on. I'm, I'm veering off here for halftime. We are wondering what the Ireland's women's team be prayed at halftime with a 12-gun salute into yeah. the air of Tala. Singing and chanting a certain uh, Wolf Town song, perhaps. But no, we, we didn't see the ladies. No, we certainly didn't. And we moved into the second half with Richie Tell. He did really well to swing a shot across the and tell, yeah, um, uh, I think I think Brad's likes tell in Europe. Yeah, similar, but he often plays Cabo midfield. He just seems to have these um certain choices he makes in Europe, like always starts from a fin. Um, yeah. yeah, like I say, Tell did did excellently there to get that shot away, and it was there was actually no power in the shot, but the keeper yeah. seemed to see it late, and he seemed to only barely get to it in the end. Um. Other than that, we were kind of reduced to long-range efforts. Second half, I felt kind of pot shots from outside of the box. There yeah, was nothing. There was nothing clear after this. Ma- after this tell one, there was no like clear cut inside the box chance. But even saying that, we had our two substitutions lined up on the line, and then they had 69 minute Ericsson score from a corner. So, um, some people were saying they weren't happy with the timing of the sub. Um, I I don't I don't necessarily blame that. A lot of people were saying that's the one that got away. He he didn't. Bradley didn't feel like he needed to make a sub at that time. Fair enough, or not one nil down. He possibly thought it was working just because a goal goes in for some bad corners. I don't think for Bradley should be getting flagged for it. So it was the defending of the corner itself, which was maddening, wasn't it? Like yeah, what was um was it was a Cabo, um, and then Greener kind of. Kind of ducks for the ball. There's just there's two or three things going on this goal which are just criminal. And uh, like you say, Brazzer is just about to make two subs, so the timing couldn't have been worse. Um, yep. they they could have been two and up actually before that, about ten minutes before that. We should mention uh, another save by Manus. Uh, the the player I think it was Ericsson, might have been Ericsson because he came on. All he had to do was just square the ball. And it was a tap-in, and he lashed it across the box. It was dreadful. So we, we that was a let-off even before 2-0. But, um, but yeah, when, when, it, when it's 2-0 then, it's kind of game over, isn't it? And then comes the, the greener offside goal, which is unfortunate because, like I said, it was marginal. Super finish, super throwing and finish, but it's it's very very frustrating, bro. Like we don't get, we're not getting any decisions lately. You know, no mm. rub of the green, excuse the pun. Like no, just nothing kind of kicking for us, and um, very very frustrating. We should so, mention the the up. Jack pass for that one actually, incredible yeah, through just, ball yeah. from Jack Byrne. Yeah, um, beautiful as a striker is what you eat into bread and butter, but 
Um, unfortunately, we weren't even, not even to get a goal. We yeah. suffered our first defeat in Tallis since Florida Talent in the same competition in 2021. So it's unfortunate, Prof, but we're struggling at the minute. Um, Conference League is a big layer in the corpus. We're going to have to just kind of suck it up. I don't think anybody could expect to be wouldn't have a goal after four games, but I know, yeah. The stats for, for a home and beaten run, um commentators were throwing out some mad figures. I don't know where, where they were getting them from. I think somebody said thirty two at one stage unbeaten, but the the actual figure is twenty nine unbeaten in Tada. Um that so that came to an end. So that was our best unbeaten run. Um well, it was, it was technically 27 because one of those games was the President's Cup. One of them was Banger Celtic. But uh, our best home and beaten run since 30 from 1983 to 1985. That was ended by Home Farm. And the league unbeaten run is still going. That's 27, which is our best run since a run of 31 consecutive home games unbeaten from 1963. <clears throat> to 1966 and just in terms of not scoring at home um, only the fourth time in the last two seasons in all competitions that we did not score in talent so, oh, so that was Sligo at home our only league defeat uh, since 2020 uh, Flora, like you mentioned, 1-0 defeat. Uh, your Gardens, 0-0, and Mold are there. So that's the four. Um, someone asked, kids are crying. Ugh. Someone asked uh, in the group chat, were the expectancy levels too high? Because... Definitely, yeah. We got these home wins over Luda Gretz and uh, Farage Farris. Teams who were a level above us. We beat them at home. So then going into this group stage, we thought, well, we beat them. So we can get a couple of wins in this group stage. But they were second leg wins when the tie was beyond us. So did that give us false hope? Yeah, you could say that. You could say that. But then again, you still have to beat these teams. You know what I mean? You still have to actually go and do it. Um, I wouldn't take anything away from the fact that we beat some really high pedigree teams in Tala on our own turf and they weren't necessarily dead rubber either. There was games that had to be they had to be finished, the toy had to be finished off. No, I, I think there is a there is a point aside to be there's a point to be made on both sides, but I, I wouldn't hmm. be taking anything away from those wins. But I do like I mean we did we started like a like a house on fire against Mold on tours they ultimately didn't get out now, but put I feel like that we can compete at that cer- a certain level, but goes back to another thing about being having levels. I think they're possibly a level above us. And like we said, it's uh, it's something new to us. We're we're gonna have to learn from this and and box clever next year. You could say the games could have gone differently. I mean, you go back to your gardens, and you need a bit of luck, prof. We, all, we certainly didn't have it. We all left the stadium that night, feeling that one got away. We should have beaten them. Um, totally they've yeah. since gone on to dominate the group surprisingly um, and that game on Thursday if we take the take an early lead in that game it's a different game yeah 
We'd probably totally go on, agree, yeah. we'd not don't necessarily go on to win it, but we probably don't lose. Um, but like I said, it's a it's a tough one to take. Uh, it's ultimately it's it's quite forgettable. Our our Europa Conference League run, it's actually quite forgettable at the for the time being. Like it, I don't think anybody's gonna remember it. You know what I mean? Fondly. No, I mean we had our fun in uh, in Belgium for sure, but. The two, the two three nil defeats away from home, they're ultimately forgettable. Yeah, the fact that we haven't scored yet. There's still two games. There still could give us something, you know. Like we, I think we will. I think we're going to get results. We'll talk about that in another. We could get a result at home to Ghent, but the fact that it's three days before Derry, I think even the most passionate people on. That side of the argument about playing our strongest teams, I think even those people will completely pardon Bradler in his starting eleven three days before yeah. Derry, and then away to Jorgar in the last game. They could put out a reserve team. They could have the group wrapped up, and they have their title on the line the following Sunday. So, yeah, I think Gareth is going to put the fourteens out for this one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, like I said, Jorgar's. Um, top of the group there. We have a, a result there, Gar. Yes, your gardens three 0 up at home again to half time, and they end up winning four two. So your gardens stay top of the group, and they're officially true. And we're officially out of contention, so dead rubbers next. Mm. And um... uh, Erling Mole, the Mole manager, he referred to us as a really good home team, which to take that. I've. <sighs> Been thinking about this. Is this the ultimate backhanded compliment? Um, maybe he's just being honest because we were terrible over there. We were terrible away to Hibs. We were terrible in Bulgaria. Maybe he's just being honest and what he's seen in us, seen from us in in all our away games that we be. don't play well away in Europe. Yeah, I can't be annoyed about it. I suppose because if you look, at is the... it backhanded if it's true? <clears throat> If you look at on paper, he's it's logical. There you go. And well, if, you, if you watch us, if you actually watch the games, we possibly don't deserve anything out of them. Well, so. I can't imagine ever being wanting to be called a really good home team. Yeah. So, like I said, I think he was just possibly struggling for a compliment and just was like, yeah, well, there you go. That's exactly what they are, a good home team. But we've also directed more resources and energy into the home games. Yeah, very much so, yeah. And we seem to have that aura around Tallis Stadium where we kind of do have a... Um, we do play well, but ultimately it wasn't enough, bro. Mm. We'll move on from the Europa League Conference, or the Europa Conference League. And we're going to talk about draw on Sunday and the 1-1 draw with Gaffney, Bork and Lyons. Perugia all coming back in. And um, Prof... LOI TV for you. How about the commentator? Oh my god! Uh, I had a quick look in Robert's chat. I didn't. Um, I didn't see anybody else going mad about him, but a few people in our chat were right. I knew I was in for a night when he said, talking about draw had a you know their farm against Robbers this season, and he goes, draw had a bit of stay in their eye. <laughs> oh, he did not. What? A, why would you say that when you've been trying to accent? Oh my god, 
Uh, <laughs> one stage they got free against us and I think it was Dylan Watts uh, lying on the ground and he just goes oh the poor devil lying on the ground I don't know what I don't know what he's doing there now I'm like <laughs> have you not been watching football the last three years they're all, it's they're literally what everybody does yeah so we yeah, start the, off the, the, the last 20 minutes the last 20 minutes Gary just became a mentalist <laughs> like he was he was unbearable before that but somehow he got even worse at the end of the game he was just crazy yeah, I've seen a lot of comments then he was really full but it was a lively start and loads of early chances but we came out of the blocks flying Ferrugia it was like Ryan fucking gigs on steroids he was brilliant and then you had a lot of drunken wet ultras thinking they were in a uh, a Peter Andre video dancing in the rain <laughs> they, were, they were fairly well on um, but no, listen. It was it was a like it was a great start. We had a couple of good chances. We had a Lions header, free header, getting whipped in. We'd Hor hitting over from six yards. He should have buried it. Um, some really good chances that we ultimately ruled and we we regretted. Um, like Perugia was unbelievable. He he had to beat near man Bulger every time. He skinned him at least three or four times, and he got a lovely ball in. Eventually, Bork got one. But um, when he did get when he did whip one in. Lovely little kind of square ball. Bork poked it home. And like someone was eating, I think he was eating chips or whatever. He just turned around and he goes, Ferrugia, you big sexy doctor. And <laughs> it was in bits laughing. <laughs> big sexy doctor. Um, Maybe that's a future song for him. Like, who's a sexy doctor? Who's yeah, a sexy yeah. doctor? He was brilliant. And he was really good but, for that goal. And we just stopped playing afterwards. We just turned off. Like, I mean, he was getting so much joy out on that right hand side, especially against your man, Dale Bulger. Couldn't catch him, couldn't tackle for shy. And then we just decided to stop playing. We started letting them get into it. And they started to um, attack through the middle of the park. And they responded and hit us on the break a couple of times. The 44th minute, Prof. It was well, you're fucking... racing ahead there. I just want to talk about the early stages. Uh, like, we looked at it from the very beginning. Like, it was similar you know to what I Sligo. loved, though? I loved Gaffney. Gaffney getting involved with Bork making runs beyond them. We seem to have a lot of little around the corner passes that were lovely. Uh, working it into Gaffney and then working it back to Jack and then Bork running beyond and Lions running beyond. I thought Lions gave him a lot of joy as well. And that just stopped after the goal. It, it was just so frustrating to see us stop like that. Yeah, like you said, Friuggia was just always threatening down the right. Every time he got the ball, it looked like he was going to create a goal. And the end product was there as well. That's what we've always cried out for with Friuggia. And this time he was getting the crosses in. They, they were looking dangerous. On his right foot as well, bro. Yeah. So, like, before the goal, like, chances for Hor, Lions. We looked at it. We were dominating. Uh, sure enough, the goal came from Friuggia on the right side. And he sets up Burke. Uh like having an absolute field day out there. Jack Byrne kept feeding him, which which was great. And even the second half as well, like Jack, I know was constantly encouraging Fruja. If you think back to a couple of years ago, I think he would kind of he was always Adam. He was always he? Adam, wasn't it? So um yeah. you should mention as well Gary O'Neill's celebration in front yeah. of Gary Deegan when he scored when we scored. He but actually ran back. Was, yeah, he's he runs over to the corner with our players. And then he just stops suddenly, turns back to find Deegan. He was like, whoa, 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 got us like Deegan. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
yeah, the, the wind was behind his first half, but then we just let draw the back end of the game and they start hitting us on the break. Rooney on the left was getting a lot of joy. Yeah. Um, Foley had a great chance. And it was actually a great move in fairness, uh, that, that one where they hit him the break. But yeah. um, then Markey uh, put it across to, to Chris Lyons, should have scored. Yeah. So they the chance before half time. The goal was a ball just kind of broke. And when he was swinging a left foot, I was thinking, we said, there's no way he's going to connect on this. There's no way he's going to be able to strike this. And he struck it so sweetly. Bit of, bit of zip on it. And obviously, Manus fumbled it. And I thought it was going to be a foul. I thought I think it was Chris Lyons. It was Chris Lyons that went in. He poked it at home. No, Adam Foley poked it home, didn't he? Sorry, Chris Lyons on the rebound. He scored. It looked but, like um, he kind of put me, He went in with a stud showing. And I was thinking, lovely, that's going to be a free out. And ultimately, it wasn't. So then we started to fall to shy. I mean, a big, big, it's a mistake for Big Al. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he's, he's thinking about the follow up straight away, I think. And obviously, yeah. Lyons comes in and beats him too. Um, sick, and I then mean, they nearly scored against right after that, prop. I mean, without the conditions, um, yeah, Al should probably be smothering that all day long. And fairness to him, he's not been conceding these kind of goals. Like, I think you probably have to go back to maybe the President's Cup where he kind of palms the ball into the on running striker. I felt mm. we were conceding too many of these goals last year. But in fairness, a lot. Al, a lot of them last year. Yeah, yeah, he's not. He's been very good at this. He's been smothering these balls. Yeah, and like you said, he's but, up for player of the year run. He's been brilliant all season. So these things happen. Yeah. There's no point in blaming and pointing the finger. I mean, um, he, and then straight away he he ultimately replied with a fucking amazing save, point blank header that should have put them two one up before half time. So, I yeah. mean, he equally saved. It's just as bad, just as good. So I'm I've no issues with Al. I mean, he's done so much for us. Um, but we went in. One all, and I was disgusted. So, um, yeah, staff, that was, an, that was an injury time, Gary. Yeah, yeah, just great save, super uh, save, wasn't it? Point blank, right hand near post header. Um, brilliant save, yeah. So, at this point, the rain's getting heavier and heavier. Yeah, uh, we've got a call from staff. The ultras here. are getting wetter and wetter, yeah. But, yeah, we have staff. He said, Where are these constructs decided to be good against us this year? Uh, I wouldn't even say they were that good. Uh, it was just about they they just kind of know they kind of have our number at home you know I think it's more so how much Deegan hates Rovers and he kind of it, it emanates off him but we'd have time to have Rattel and Gary O'Neill Gary O'Neill with some ice on his calf so hopefully mm-hmm. it's not too bad because uh, that leaves us with a bit of a gap in the midfield so yeah, so we well we didn't know at that point well like you said you saw the, the ice and the calf so we thought okay Injury, injury related sub then early into the second half Jack Byrne gets a kick from, from Deegan and he needs treatment so you're like oh no and then on the hour he really like our midfielders does he Deegan and then on the hour um, Adam Manis picks up a ball and immediately throws it out and the commentators are at this point we've gotten the tip off by like I'm, I'm watching at home. I'm gonna tip off that Pauls has been rigorously uh, warming up, so I already know that you know Manus is injured. So it was kind of funny listening to the commentators watch this in slow motion over and over again, trying to pinpoint 
some area in Al's leg. I'm like, lads, this is not where the injury occurred. Like, would you no, just he he been on, he been playing. He's like a Robocop. Like, yeah. He's been playing with an injury. So yeah. So like we said, it was it's <laughs> when uh, we were told a WhatsApp group was pinging and it was uh, Leon Poles in a vigorous warm up. We knew, we knew it wasn't good. So it was a big Al. Yeah, first time he's but... um, first time Adam Adams has ever gone off the pitch for Rovers, whether it's red card, sub, or injury. That's the first time. serious? That's the first time, yeah. Wow. Because, off, not good, not because I would I would remember that, you know what I mean? I know he's yeah, never got a red yeah. card. Um, I think Barry Murphy got subbed once in the first season of Tata. I think twice, maybe. Um, yeah, he's never been subbed off, never been subbed on either. So yeah, I'm pretty, oh, yeah, I'm pretty confident about that. Stuff. Um, um, yeah, Gaffney chance on yeah. sixty five flashed the wide. We kind of struggled to create. Um, I think Richie coming on kind of, it's not the role that he's used to. We struggled with it. It just wasn't happening for us at all. We couldn't kick up a gear. Um, even when we had Deegan, Dirty Deegan getting sent off. Couldn't see this one, Prof. I still haven't seen it back, actually, because it's very tough to kind of see on the left-hand side of the pitch when you're shooting away into the hill area of that draw of the ground. And you can't see much because the fans are in the way. So I didn't actually see the straight red. Was it bad? Um, well, if the throw-in uh, was being taken on Sunday, I think Deegan is just arriving about now. Uh, that's <laughs> how that's bad. how late this was. This this was a scummy tackle, and the worst part is again come back to the commentators, and immediately they start saying he's such a good player, he's such a good player. I'm like it's so not like him. I'm like Would what? Stop. Have you been watching football? Do you, like once again? Do the only these fellas were drafted in from the basketball arena? I don't think they watch it. He has five or six of these a season. Yeah. An absolute disgusting tackle. Yeah. And hope we're glad Jack isn't injured either. So it was Jack, wasn't it? It wasn't on Jack, was it? Um, I think it was on Dylan Watts. Um, but um, uh, we should mention, but up, up until this point, there was a lot of offsides. Like, pretty much every attack we had that led to a possible goal scoring chance. Wait, can I tell and you what? That happened? flag went up. Can I tell you what happened? This is the same ref that got that was given out a bit of abuse in the previous game, right? So obviously it's a football game. Referees and linos, they get things said to them. This lino was getting abuse, something like put your flag up, do this, do that. The usual show. He goes over to the steward and he said something along the lines of, I'm getting abused, you need to do something about it. So I said to him, would you, would you fucking grow up, man? Grow a set of balls. I said, you're a linesman in the League of Ireland. You're going to be getting things said to you. Ignore it. I said, you just turned your back on the play. You cannot see what's going on in front of you. You went and you talked to a steward mid-game. I said, you need, to, you need to concentrate on the game. And he says, oh, yeah? He says, you'll see. And then he continued to raise his fucking flag for every little decision in the second half. I genuinely am flabbergasted that he actually had the balls and the fucking the. I can't believe he actually actually went and did it. 
And I said this to Jaden when I came home because Jaden was out with his mates. And I said, Jaden, you never believe it. And he goes, he, he can't do that. And I was like, he did do it. He goes, you can't do that. He was <laughs> disgusted. He genuinely said, so listen, that's that's what you're dealing with. That's not made up. That's not, I never happened at the year one. That definitely happened. So, how was this? How was this even a conversation in the League of Ireland in 2020? You'll see. How is he said, and he put his flag up for fucking everything. Do you know what the worst one was when Borky took a shot on goal? I think he hit the bar or whatever, and we had a little bit of a scramble. There was no one offside there. Absolutely nobody. Like, I can't. It was, it was I, I'm watching the stream, so like I've got the one angle all the time. So I can't tell if any of these are offside, really. Every little guessing. Some of the flagging was ridiculous. Every little prospect or inkling of a chance we had, he put his flag up. Totally broke down the play and couldn't do a thing. So listen, what what can you do? And um ultimately we just kind of yeah, just we played, put the pressure on. You played devil's advocate for a second there though. Why abuse a linesman? I was listening to the lads abuse him. Why abuse just someone who can influence the game? Because they don't think he has the gumption to do it, but he actually did. And I was thinking to myself, lads, this is doing you no good whatsoever. Why? You know what I mean? Why bother? There's no point. There's literally no point. There's no benefits to this whatsoever in the world that you live in. So it ultimately shot, blew us in the shots in the, in the knees because yeah, it's in the bollocks. So we're six minutes against... at a time as well, prof. And we're he playing. blew it up early on plenty of watches recorded all around the ground. He blew this game up early, thirty seconds by some count. And we made a sub during those six minutes, didn't we? So it should have been six and a half. So minimum, the word minimum comes into into mm. play here, which didn't happen. So shocking stuff, man. Well, listen, you can't blame the ref for everything. We just didn't. We end. We end up not being able to to nab a goal. But listen, I'm not too. I'm not too unhappy. I mean. It's a. I think Anto made a. Our, our good friend Deco Fitz made a great point, saying it's like an artist chiseling away on a block of marble, nearly getting to the finished product. So, <laughs> um, I love that analogy. Well, to analyze the last um thirteen minutes there, where we had the man advantage, um, like we say, the flag was going up all the time. Um, our best chance actually didn't come until the ninety fourth minute. When Berkey chested it and volleyed it, and McCabe, so actually, I think that was offside as well. I'll, I'll yeah, no, that's the one I was happy about. He put a slag up for that. There's no one offside for that. Yeah, McCabe actually had a great game, but most of his saves were when the flag went up. So, like, yeah. technically speaking, like he didn't make any of these saves, but no. but he had he had to do them. So obviously, he he had a great game. But I um, couldn't believe your man putting the flag up that much. Well, it was absolutely insane. I've never seen that like it. It was so just the the volume of it. It's like I I don't remember watching a football match like this in the second half and been like it was relentless, man. Honestly, every, it was relentless. I've never attack, seen that like it. The flag is going up. Yeah, but just something crazy. Like, just something that irks me about like draw ahead of the season. Many points have they taken off us. They got a point in Tata. They beat us. Um, they beat us up there in May. They've uh, held us to a draw here as well. Why are they so up for this game? They're mid-table. With three games left. Garrett, 
They're throwing bodies on the line. Some kid comes off the bench, right? I don't know who he is. He's only a teenager. And he throws his body on the line, on the halfway line. Wins the ball. Loses it. Then he wins it back again, like he's in a World Cup final. Like he's fighting for his life. Why are you doing this? It's absolutely nuts. I really, I, I, do you know what? Because it's Rovers. It's simple, isn't it? The old, the old, um, the old saying, isn't it? Just everybody hates us. Like I get that is the answer. I know. I'm. At, it's a rhetorical question. I suppose it, it is Rovers, but I'm. At, I'm putting these questions out there because Shelburne and Sligo have nothing to play for against Derry this coming week. Will they be putting bodies in the line like that? In those mm, games. That's the thing, yeah. But I have it on uh, I've good info that shells are going up there to take points, prop. Hopefully, hopefully the old, that's what the I'm old hearing. dress rehearsal for the the old dress the rehearsal. Room. But I'm hearing good things. I'm hearing good things about mentalities and wanting to go up there. And so it's, it's 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 looking good. But we'll talk about their stats, prop. Fifteen shots to their thirteen, six on target today, it's five. So quite an even game. Even though the first half, I thought we said we're going to dominate this because first twenty minutes we were brilliant, but um, like I said, we stopped playing after after the goal, and that leaves Robert six points clear with a game more played, and our three remaining games are Pats at home, Derry at home, and UCD away, and they have Shelbourne at home, so they go away, us away, and Dundalk at home. So I'd rather have points on the board, six points ahead, and the situation that we're in now than to be Derry chasing us. Put it that way. Um, two games at home with our record, I'm confident. Confident we can win these games at home, but prof, like the Lord Mayor of Ballyferm, Jason Maloney says, We beat Derry at home, we win the league, or beat Pats at home and don't lose to Derry. Yeah, but no, you beat Derry, it's done. Simple, thank you beat God the biggest for the task. Thank God for the goal difference because considering we, we've only tonked one team this season, Finn Harps 5 1. We have three games left in the season, Gary. I don't know how we're... And we have one one tonking. Is, is that anyway good, considering the lack of tonkings? We have one tonking, and somehow our goal difference is far better than, than Derry. I don't know how. And they have shells at home on Friday. Um, You, you don't want them to make, make up ground there. Mm, definitely, yeah. And yeah. we're hoping shells... We're hoping little old shells to go up and do us a favour. Mm. Well, no one likes them, Gar. No, no one likes them, yeah. Little old shells. Head case. Head case, yeah, man. <laughs> um, like you said, it's baffling that we didn't uh, keep using Ferrugia. Like, consider, you, you compared them to, like, Ryan Giggs in his prime, and then we just stopped using them. Or was did they start doubling up on him at one stage? Because I've noticed... I don't think it before. even got to that, man. It didn't get to the stage where he got the ball and it wasn't working. It never got to that. I never got to the stage where oh Frugia, he's being doubled up. It didn't it didn't get to that stage. We just stopped playing. I think we're working more towards Gaffney and Bork trying to work off each other, but um I think like that Lions was doing well as well. We were working it. I mean, when's the last time we, we played well out wide in Drada? Mm. You know what I mean? It was actually working yeah. for us on the flanks. So it was baffling yeah. to see us change the direction after the goal. But maybe they just pulled their socks up, you know, and yeah. decided to get involved yeah. in the game. So I was so impressed by by Fruage in this game and like I said his end product having said that some his decision making did let him down a couple of times second half one Don't of our best the back pass. Oh, one of our best opportunities actually was when he 
he worked his way into the box. Well, on the edge of the box. Just at the point where it's like, okay, you have to pull the trigger now or you have to play the most deft pass possible. There's no in-between, one of those two. And he plays an overhit pass out of Gaffney's reach. And it's just so frustrating. And then the clock says something like 95, 30, or whatever. It's like it's a few seconds left. He can't be more than 35, 40 yards from goal. There's nobody closing him down. He, he swivels on the ball and plays it back to Leon Poles. It's one of the craziest back passes I've seen <laughs> all season. You were cracking up. I was yeah, absolutely no, it was, it killed, it killed the momentum, didn't it? Yeah, it killed him. It killed off the game. When he did that, it just goes, fuck. You know, you just, you just knew it was gone. Game was gone. But listen, we're a point. It's, it's a point on the road against a team that's been frustrating us all season. And we'll take it. Mm-hmm. And we'll move on six points ahead. A game played more. But listen, Prof, like I said, points on the board are more important. I have, than, one, more, uh, I have one more brief note from that game. And that is how, first of all, the commentators kept kept up this narrative of they're down to bare bones Drahada. they always seem to be down to bare bones when we come to town um, okay. they, did, they did have an Australian teenager on the bench called Stevan Stanek Floody Stevan Stanek Floody good eye mate um, Stanek Floody that's um, that's two words now there's a hyphen in between oh, Stanek they had a couple of young guys Floody. a couple of young guys on the bench uh, yeah, but oh yeah, big shout out to the absolute scumbag tramps who threw explosives into their way end indiscriminately and possibly could have landed on kids. But um, it, it wasn't Sean McCrover who did it, so nobody gives a fuck. Yeah, apparently there was an FBI official there. Um, some Roberts fans naturally jumping out of the way of the bangers, uh, kind of jumping on the pitch side. Well, the only thing and they could do there, is jump onto the pitch. He's there writing in his farm. Oh, they're invading the pitch there. No, it wasn't a pitch invasion. The only reason they jumped onto the pitch was to evade being hit by explosives. That's all it was. What do you expect to do? Stay in the stand? Everybody ran in terror towards the draw to mm. exit. That's all it was. Will, will People he, running in terror. Will he ride it that way? Yeah, no, definitely not. Be interesting to see what happens anyway. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's the way it is, Prof. And we have Derry and Shelbourne FAI Cup final. The dress rehearsals mm-hmm. next week. We're hoping the boys can do us a favour. Take some points off these Derry boys. Yeah, and little, um, little old shells. Have a start with that. Little shells. Um, 2020, 2021, 2022 Cup finals. Six different clubs. Jesus. Rovers, Dundalk. Pat's Balls. Derry, Shelbourne. It's gone out of Cork, Dundalk days, eh? Thank God. Um, yes, so we are looking at um, our old pals, Boydie and Bourne, to go up and do us a favour. Always like Boydie. Great fella. Great colder. Mm. Great the old um, yellow cards. Yeah, so, yeah, Declan Devoy, new Bowls manager, their first choice. This is nuts. This is nuts. There, it's somebody bail Keith Long. Um, <laughs> like, they they really were clutching at straws here. I don't know how it's gonna work for them. I don't. Nobody wanted the job. Imagine that. Nobody wanted the job. Ian Ryan from the Wexford manager didn't want the job. 
They just all backed out. And Declan Devine didn't even apply for it. They had to persuade him. Not the other way around. He, he didn't go to an interview and say, please, here's my credentials. I'm a pro license holder. I've won this. I've won that. Cup win 2012. No. They went to him and begged him to become the Bowls manager. And they made him go through his Twitter account and delete all his tweets congratulating robbers and uh, praising Bradley. Is a true statement. This is real. You go to Declan Devine's previous tweets. He's congratulating Rovers and saying, well done, Rovers. He deleted all those tweets ever since he became the manager of Bowes. How small-minded is that, that you had to say to your manager, who has just been promoted, uh, no, who's just been appointed to the first team coach, you mention your rivals and the tweets that he sent out congratulating him, saying you have to delete those. That is beyond, that, that is mind-boggling, man. Think about it. What's the worst that could happen? You just get a bunch of teenagers retweeting and saying, ha ha, the new balls manager said Bradley is good. Yeah. And then people good, laugh yeah. for an hour and then we move on. Who cares? Yeah, that's it. It's literally it. It's nuts. I, I, had, I'm, uh, I'm baffled by it. They had no coot or Bert in the squad for that past game. Uh, rumors that they were trained with the 19s. Uh, so oh, the coot, the, uh, the Bert. The Burt rumour is uh, getting stronger. Even the Talbot rumour is uh, doing the rounds again. So I heard, yeah. I, I'm not too sure how I feel about that. Um, we'll have the Finn Harps programme cover was dedicated to the crease of victims in Donegal. So an awful, awful tragedy. And um, mm. Jesus, very hard to talk about. So a nice little touch and gesture from Finn Harps. We should have uh, mentioned last week, we were talking about the you know, the Women's World Cup team kind of got overshadowed by the the video in the dressing room, but Amber Barrett's goal was actually sensational. Just the, very, the very pass and the finish. The old a school, very slick finish, wasn't it? The old school toe poke. And her post-match interview, it's a few minutes long with Tony O'Donoghue, was unbelievable. Because she's, she's a local, Donny Gall. I think and, it went something like the men behind the wire and then she went into a pulled out a couple of grenades and uh, she's just talking about how like she knew a lot of the people close to her and like she just scored the winner to send Ireland to the World Cup just after that it's insane when you think about it how much of a superstar is Kate McCabe though absolutely yeah um, I'm not I'm not gonna I'm gonna hold my hands up I've seen very little women's football in my life but that's a lie 100% will uh we'll be watching our in the world cup uh, just just be fascinating we, the men haven't been there in 20 years so it, just, it means so have been a like, crack watching it as well like, oh, yeah. yeah definitely yeah. or in the world cup like it just you have to turn it on that yeah. mcdonald prof that mcdonald. mcdonald verbal sparring online um he tweeted that Tala will be only fully developed four stand LOI stadium and he had Bouts of people coming at him, coming at him hard, but he's right. <laughs> yeah, or RIP his uh Twitter mentions, Gary, because oh, he's right, though. I mean, he pretty much said, Listen, it's the only one yeah. that is pretty much the same, you know, built all around corks, Tornus Cross isn't like that. None of these stands are like that, long for anything like that. They're nowhere near as developed as Tallis, so he has a point, and we totally agree with him. Like, I actually tried to read every reply. 
to that tweet and I couldn't. Like I literally, you know, when you, you reload the bottom of the page, yeah, and it keeps going and going. I actually had to give up. It was just there was about two hundred people going, "Go turn us cross, bay," <laughs> just over yeah, and yeah, over yeah. and over and over again. Even though yeah, he said, and, and like I pretty much would, you, you do know a gust of wind blew your stadium down not too long ago. He's he's bang on though. Like fully develops. Yeah. One of the stands has 10 rows in it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And the wind blew it down. <laughs> well, there is a reason they can't develop further in that area of the, of the pitch, but facts are oh, facts. So you're telling me the people of Cork are actually holding back Cork City Football Club? <laughs> God uh, forbid. But um, did you hear? I, I'm a bit behind on my podcast, but apparently Johnny Ward was uh, disgusted that we played a weekend team, uh, way to mold. It's um, usually a good thing when he's disgusted, though. Dan McDonald was kind of coming back with the point that, well, Dundalk prioritised the uh, Europa League over the league in 2020, and look at them now. They're nowhere, but actually, I think that's a bit of a poor show because Dundalk were totally out of the league in 2020 by that point. Yeah. Pretty easy to prioritise. So I, I think that's apples and oranges. Apples and oranges from the prop McNara, who featured on our 50s hotline today. His article on Big Al and Extra.ie. It's a hashtag long read. So check that one out. Extra.ie. McDara's article on Big Al. Yeah, because it was it was Big Al's 200th league appearance for Rovers on Sunday. Knows how I stress the word league because Gar, what is one of my biggest pet peeves? Mixing up stats. What is it, Gar? They're mixing up the stats, bro. Sure you know, enough, differentiate between the league, the cup, oh, and appearances oh. overall for a club. Oh, my blood is boiling as we speak. <laughs> and you know how much I love our media team. I I praise them to the hilt. But sure enough, somebody did it on the official Twitter account. They said two hundred for Manus today, and I said no. I actually thought about you when I, I meant to say it to you. 200 league. It's so important. It's one word. And it's so important. I agree. I agree. It uh, Prof's uh, grind my gears is back. So we have Ray Wilson, Prof. Uh, Sydney-based hoop. He was on RT Radio Business from Rialto to real estate. So he's dipping his toe into the market over here into social housing. So, um, yeah, Plenary Group are coming to Dublin, Prof. Yeah, it was a good segment. It was about and 20 minutes said, long. Um, and there was a quote from Ray there. He said, talking about his involvement in Rovers since 2005 um, financially. And he said, I've, I've never made a penny out of it. Uh, I'll never make a penny out of it. And it's the best investment I've ever made. So when you look at a quote like that, you still get... You still see head cases now and then on Twitter talking about, oh, what about your loan to Ray Wilson? What about the 25%? I've, I've even heard, even for the documentary, I actually don't even remember who it was now, but I interviewed who I consider to be a good Huber. And he says, well, what about Ray's 25% there? We don't know what he wants to do with it. He could do anything. Look at the man's track record. <laughs> yeah, 
it's it's just like I, I don't know. Is he really gonna cut and run and leave us high and dry after all this time? Like I, I don't think so. I don't I don't think that's gonna happen. Um that's why I reject the the statement of us being a fifty percent fan on the club. We're seventy five percent. Yeah, definitely totally agree with that. I mean like he's he's Rovers mad, like if you knew the guy. Um right, we're gonna move on, bro. But Gary, I will say 20 minute interview and not one mention of Tifties. What's that? No, about? I was going to say that to you. I was going to say that. Not one mention of us. Absolute stabbed us in the back. All of that cheap plugs that we've given the man. And not once did he say anything about us. Do you know what? I, I, hatred. I take back everything I just said. He's a corporate monster we'll, in league with Dermot Desmond. Get him out of the club. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Vulture. A vulture. Um, Prof, the academy results. I'm looking at this now, and I know you're sitting there smirking. You know that? <laughs> sitting there smirking. Under 19s. You've had plenty of practice with this first fella, though. No, I don't mind this one. Yeah, so Waterford. Under 19s. Rovers. 1 0 win. Colin Monaco. Got the winner for the 19s. And we the under 14s League Cup semi final. An absolute ding dong tonker of a game, Prof. 43 Rovers. Against Bose, and uh, we have. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, just I got something caught me drunk there. What, what's that, Gary? Sorry, okay. it's Akinrim Toil with a goal. We mm-hmm. have Kovalevskis with a goal. We have Solanke <laughs> with a goal, and Ogbonna with a brace. And that's the under 17s coming to win 2 1 against Pats. This is a big win as well. Ryan Ritchie and John O'Sullivan, and the ladies under 17s League Cup semi final. 4-3 on pens against Bowes with Alana Priceman, Neve Terrell, Kelsey McQuillan and Laurie McCabe. So a really, really good weekend for the Roadstone. And congratulations to our women's under-19s. It'll be female 5 4 on penalties to qualify for the league final. And that final is on Sunday, 23rd of October. Deal our way is the UCD Bowl, so kick off 4pm. All support from the hoops is welcome. So that is 23rd of October. Do not forget, 4pm UCD Bowl kick off for the hoops, the ladies and prof. Yeah. So we're coming to that time of the season, Gar. Uh, we're 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 coming up to finals. So you got the women's nineteens and seventeens. They've both reached their league finals, and the men's fourteens uh, have also reached their league final. And the fifteens, the men's fifteens, they've got a game coming up against Cork, which is practically a final. Yeah. It's like it's I like thought a, it was that time. I thought it was that time of season where Ed Saul throws the season ticket at the manager. Taking shots at Ed Sol. Where did that come from? <laughs> it was our left field. I don't, I don't know where that popped in. Apologies, Ed. Apologies. I know it never happened. Or did it? <laughs> now Ed's a good lad. He listens and he knows we're taking the piss. Um, Prof, I'm going to predict my own score here on the quiz. I'm going to go six, right? It, we it, need a big result on Friday and we need a big result from Gary P in the quiz. We're going to go six. This quiz two on this one. is a bit of a mad one, I must say. It's you're gonna hate me afterwards, I think. There's a mix yeah, of we always do. There's, there's a mix of history and there's a mix of problem solving and yeah, it's 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 a mad old quiz, this one. Oh, uh, no. but let me set up my my timer. What did we agree on before? Two, two minutes. minutes, two minutes, yeah. Two minutes turns it into a bit of a I don't think there's any particularly long questions to read out, but so when you finish reading the first question, I'll start the timer. Give you give okay, you a few yeah, seconds head right. start. That's about right, actually. So do you have it open there? Hold on. 
True or false, 2020 was the fourth season since leaving Milltown. The Rovers went unbeaten at home an entire top flight season. Oh, false. No, true. <laughs> Rovers famously came from two goals down to win 3 2 in the 1956. Oh, fuck off. 56 FAA Cup final against Whitside. Cork United, Cork Albanians. Cork Athletic, Cork Celtic. Oh, <laughs> Cork Albanians. No, Cork Athletic. So many of them. Goalkeeper Tony O'Dell made his debut for Rovers in which year? I only seen him in the pub during the night. Uh, 98, 99, 97, 2000. 2000 rings a bell. No, 98. Oh, oh dreadful start. Roddy Collins jumped ship from which other relegation training club to manage Rovers near the end of 20, 2004 season. Monaghan, Dublin, Bray, Balls, Dublin City. Which player came on as a sub for Stephen Bradley in the fourth ever game at Tallis Stadium in March 2009? Toy Porcel, Owen Doyle, Ollie Cattle, Greg Cameron. Ooh. Oh, I'd say, I'd say Michael O'Neill was gone. No. Oh, I don't know. Greg Cameron, defensive midfielder, coming on for Bradley because we were winning 2 1. No. Owen Doyle coming on for a goal. Who scored Robert's only goal odds BK in Norway? Oh, 2015. Marty Wars, Gavin Brennan, Gary McCabe, Ryan Brennan. Oh, we're going to say Gary McCabe penal. No, Marty. Oh, Ryan Brennan. <laughs> Which St. Patrick's Athletic player scored a last minute goal to win the game for Robert's at Richmond Park in 2021? Uh, Melvin Lambert, James Abanquet, Kyrian and Woku, Ian Birmingham. Is Melvin Lambert. I remember we were in the before probs. 33 yes. seconds. Which is the only player to start the last 10 competitive games at Robert's. 10. Ooh. Oh, Gary O'Neill. No, Dan Cleary. <laughs> yeah, which players on a longer run of appearances than any other member of the squad featured all 22 games since 23 July? Gary O'Neill, Neil Farouge, Aaron Green. I'm not, I don't even know what the question was. I read so fast. <laughs> which players on a long... Uh, Gary, uh, Gary Sean Gannon. No, Neil Farouge. <laughs> which of these players is the oldest? Lee Grace, Sean Cavanaugh, Graham Bork, Sean Hart. Sean Cavanaugh with a hairline like that. No, Lee Grace. Oh, God. Four seconds to spare. Two out of ten. I will say you're just like... Just rambling out words there. I don't know. You weren't even. Was, the, I, the words were coming out, but they weren't making sense. I was just reading them and I was like, I don't know what the question is. Oh, two out of ten. Hopefully, we don't spend on Friday. Um, what did you think of that, uh, that question that we're talking about there that you just sort of uh, you weren't really absorbing? Um, I, I quite like that question. Um, I wonder what people will guess that. It was. Which player is on a longer run of appearances than any other member of the squad, featuring in all 22 games since July 3rd? And the options were Gary O'Neill, Aaron Green, Sean Gannon, Neil Ferrugia. Now, how many people would have guessed Ferrugia there? They just they still have him as kind of the injury-prone sort of player. You might think Sean Gannon or Green... Constantly come off the bench, they're always involved. Wonder how many yeah. people would have guessed for Uja there? None, definitely not me, anyway. Um, yeah, so, so some absolutely horrible questions, Bob. Thanks. Um, mm. yeah, so up next, our Tifty's Hotline Part Two, we have Jonathan Dasowski, we have George Kelly, Bobby Best, Pat Keogh, and Robert Goggins. Yellow. John Dachkowski tells from the stands question. So basically I got into Rovers through my friend Hugo. Uh, more or less when I met him for the first time. Him and his dad had been long time Rovers fans. And he was basically just encouraging me to go with him. And so I started going. And yeah, I've just been very involved since then. 
Yeah. Uh, basically, I got into photography through getting my first ever camera off my ma. It's since then it kind of just took off and developed more into a work or job than a hobby. So I started bringing my film camera to Rovers when we played Floor Tallinn last season in the European qualifiers. And that's kind of my own personal thing. And now I actually work with the club. I've been with the club since August 22. And I've just been doing photography with them. I kind of do a bit more of the fan photography sort of stuff, but I still do sports photography at the end of the day, what you see on the pitch. For gear at the moment, I use a Fujifilm X-T30. And I just kind of use a few different lenses, mainly 230 millimeter lenses just so I have a bit more depth for now uh, otherwise I actually still bring my film cameras to um, Tala Home and Away whichever and I'll shoot a bunch of film as well but it's just expensive now so recently I've been kind of heavily influenced by Lower Block uh, it's a kind of digital magazine article website whatever you want to call it and they do just covering sports culture and football culture specifically and it's just something i really like otherwise coco 90 was a big influence to me kind of growing up and getting involved in fan culture and all that sort of stuff um my favorite photo of a rovers game at the moment is that of odd players celebrating after roy gaffney's goal Against the against Bowes in the one 0 win against or in Tallis, sorry. Otherwise, uh, my favorite Rovers related to taken photo is that of probably Pico or not Pico Finn lifting the trophy last season. Just class photo, really good atmosphere in it. And my favorite photo with me in it. It's actually from the same day Philip um, from the media team took a photo of me with the trophy uh, from last season. And it was just kind of a funny one to me. I really liked it. And an old photo that gets me intrigued is probably, I don't know, probably some of the random photos I've taken just off the side stand. There was one from... When the away kit was released, I did a little photo shoot in Tala with it. And I just think it's quality. You get some quality kind of patterns with the, like with the seats. So that's probably it. Uh, biggest mishap probably has been that of not emptying out my SD cards when I go into matches because shit, like... Sorry, I don't know if I could swear. Sorry. Um... That of me forgetting my SD cards because I think we're emptying out my SD cards because I end up stressing myself out over what photos to keep, what photos to get rid of, you know. And I was actually denied access to the pitch access uh, by the stewards at the Ireland Israel under 21s game. And the lad from the FAI literally, like, had to tell them to let me onto the page because I was accredited for the match. Um, what motivates me right now is just kind of culture, I think. Um, I think photography is a huge kind of 
progressor of culture and I think if we want to develop more in Tala and kind of a fan scene, photography is going to be one of the best ways to do it. And Rovers this season, player of the year is probably, that's yeah, hard for me to say because there's been kind of, we, we've had some good moments, we had some poor moments. Probably for me, um, Lee Grace, Stephanie up there, but I think Andy Lyons, 100%. He's only had a handful of poor games and he's just been such a good player. It's a shame we're losing him. Had off the season. Um, I'd have taken 12 points of bows, which is class. Very happy with that. Or, you know, actually qualifying for Europe and getting group stages. I was there in Skopje and watched it happen live and it's just something that lives in my mind non-stop. Love the bits. It's a great memory. George Kelly here, photographer. Uh, I got into Rovers, born in Middletown, raised in Conambanis, and with Glenmalure Park literally on my doorstep. It was simply an no-brainer who I was going to support. Um, I got into photography with Ballantyre Community School, more for a bit of crack than anything else, as uh, we were able to hide in the dark room from the teachers. Good crack. And a few other lads that who also ended up in the photography business. I left school at 15, took up a position as a darkroom technician in Leary's Photo Labs in Renla. So, at some point, Rovers and photography were always going to get together, and I suppose it was inevitable, given that I lived right beside the ground and my job was in between. So, the two obviously were going to meet at some point. Uh, I approached Louis Kilcoyne for permission to shoot at a game, and thankfully he allowed me to shoot a couple of games, and it continues to this day. And it's great to be part of it. Um, my work at the club is uh, lead photographer. I oversee a team of five other photographers covering as much as the build up to the games prior to kick off, also during the week prior to it, uh, and obviously the game itself. The media team at Rovers has grown exponentially and an exceptional, dedicated group of volunteers, and it's great to work with them all. My career in photography has been most enjoyable and I also work along with some special needs kids, school kids, that I enjoy very much. I've always used Nikon gear, and I'll never change from that. Um, has anyone influenced me in photography? Well, I'm very much into uh, landscape photography when I get some downtime. So Ansel Adams, an American landscape photographer, and his monochrome black and white work is just exceptional. Um, is there a favourite photograph of our game at Rovers? Yeah, I really loved the one of Del Piero wearing a Rovers jersey after we played him in Juventus or in Modena. It's a great photograph of a great player and when I'm wearing the Rovers jersey, it just shows total respect he had for Rovers. The uh, photograph wasn't taken by me, it was taken by a writer's photographer, Paolo Bonet. Uh, Favourite photograph that I've taken myself of Rovers? Well, unquestionably, for me, it's without doubt a very special photo. And it's of the very first goal at Tallah Stadium, scored by the legend Gary Twig. Now, in photography, you do need a bit of luck. And in this case, I did get the bit of luck as the ref, Alan Kelly, was running through the shot as Twiggy was about to turn to take the shot. And I just said, shout it out, get out of the bleeding way. Thankfully, he kept moving, so I was able to complete that image. So, yeah, it's a very special image. And quite a historical one in Rovers' aspects. Uh, Favourite picture with me in it? Um, I'm not, never really the other side of the camera, but I suppose one of the photographs that I like uh, 
is one that was taken and I'm standing beside Nelson and Willie Mandela, uh, who I had the pleasure of photographing after a gate crash at the Freedom of Dublin ceremony in 1990. You wouldn't get away with it today. There's a big backstory to that, maybe another time. But yeah, that would be one that I, I very much like. It was great to meet such a such a man. Uh, is there any other photograph that's intrigued me? I've always liked the one on New York of the, the workers on top of the skyscraper. And it, I don't know whether it was actually real or not. From what I read about it anyway, there were 11 iron workers working on the steel beam. But it was more a photograph that was arranged for a, a, a campaign to promote the new RCA building, I think it was. But yeah, I've always been intrigued with that photograph. And it went balls of steel, pardon the pun, to climb up there with a camera. And back in them days, they weren't little cameras like we have today. So, yeah, a cracking one indeed. Did I ever have a big mishap in photography? Well, I think any honest photographer will tell you that they did. And I do remember the one that I, that I had was uh, photographing a concert by a guy called Guy Mitchell, who would have been big in the 50s and 60s. Uh, shooting the concert on a Nikon. Uh, it was an F3 film camera back then, no digital back in them days. He had a roll of 36 film exposures. And I was shooting away and shooting away, and shooting away, when I realised, hang on a sec, I've definitely taken more than 36 images here, only to discover, in pure panic, that I had no film in the camera. <laughs> uh, so, what do you do in that situation? Well, Caddyar tossed us quickly and stopped shaking, loaded the camera, went back, traced all the, the way back to do photographs, and explained to people that the editor wanted a few more different images, and thankfully I got away with it, but a lesson very well learned. Uh, any funny stories that I had this year? Um, well, I suppose the football-related one would be back in early January. I got a phone call from Trevor Crowley by mistake. I have to say, we both got a good laugh out, out of it when he realised that it was the wrong Georgie Kelly that he rang. So, yeah, that was quite a funny moment. Um, motivation for taking pictures it's economically, intellectually or emotionally? One question for me would be mostly, I, I just love to get away from the mundane, everyday, you know, work and get out and do some landscape photography or whatever, and it's it's brilliant. Roberts this season, player of the year for me, whatever, yeah, there's, there's many guys that would deserve it, gaffled the whole lot, but to me it's Alan Manis, I think he's been superb, a great servant to the club, and I think he, uh, to me he'll be player of the year. Uh, but indeed, they're all great guys and a great team to work with, including the back team at Rovers. are just brilliant. Highlight of the season, still a couple of games to go, but I would have, I would say really that all the home performances, and particularly in Europe, have been just excellent. So, best of luck, guys, everybody, and ladies, and keep on hooping. Hello, I'm Bobby Best. I've been supporting Shamrock Rovers since I was an instant infant, and uh, what got me into that was... I was born in Cabrera West on this kind of road. My um, mother was born in Ave Maria Road in Maryland, which is just off Cork Street. She had five brothers and, of course, her father, and they were all mad Shamrock Rovers supporters. We'd go every second week to my granny's for dinner, and uh, the lads would be all off at the match, and they'd be back home, and the whole discussion would be about the match, whereby I learned all the names of all the great Rovers players, Paddy Cole, Paddy Ambrose, Liam Toohey, Ronnie Nolan, Shakeo. I knew, I knew all the players' names before I even met them or saw any of them. And 
by the time I was allowed to go to Milltown, I was 10 years of age. And when I went up the steps at Milltown and saw the green pitch with the white linings on it, I was absolutely overawed. It was like a giant theatre and I was overawed, and especially when the players came out onto the pitch and I saw them. I saw the real Jerry Mackey. I saw the real Maxi McCann. I saw Noel Payton. I saw Paddy Cole. It was just great to see them and know who they were. They seemed like Hollywood stars to me. And from there on, I was hooked. Uh, I got into photography as a result of my support for Shamrock Rovers, I think. I was a projectionist in the Dublin Cinerama Theatre in Talbot Street. Uh, it was a great job, but unfortunately, I was only off every second Sunday, which meant I missed a lot of Rovers games. Uh, and uh, when uh, the six in a row came along in the 60s, uh, I missed three of the first five finals. I saw... Uh, I saw the game against the first one against Cork Celtic, then I saw the fourth one against St. Pat's. And on the fifth one, I was going into work on my Honda and I passed down Connor Street towards work and I saw the crowd going into the great final with Shamrock Rovers and Waterford. So it was 40,000 people at that game and I was absolutely disgusted that I couldn't go and see it. I had to go into work and listen to it on the radio. That evening, I decided that was the last Shamrock Rovers final I was going to miss. and. That was in April of that year and in the May I went into the manager's office and I handed in my notice and told him I was going to leave. Uh, I did and I took up a further interest in photography where I always had a great interest in photography. Uh, I was the secretary at Kilmore Boys Football Club in, uh, in Kilmore West. My fiancé came from Kilmore West and that's how I became involved there. And uh, I was well known because of being the secretary of the club and the local parish priest had a good leg on him and he let me look after the communion photographs for the, the every season along with the confirmation photographs i also did house calls doing uh, family groups in their homes and child studies in their homes and i became very busy with that and i decided that after i'd reached a certain amount of bookings in my diary i'd open my own studio and that did happen in 1981 i opened my studio in northside shopping center and from there on uh, i became a professional photographer uh, I um, got into photography, photographing Shamrock Rovers uh, because Pat Bourne asked me to do the, the squad shot in 1996 and I did that and the managers at the time were Terry Everston and Alan O'Neill and two months after doing that photograph they were fired and Pat Bourne took over as manager and I had to do a new squad shot so that's the only year that there was two squad shots done. So yeah, that, that was... Uh, 1996. I use uh, Canon gear. I have a Canon DX1 camera. It's a smashing camera. Anyone interested, I'm going to be selling the camera and, 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 and the gear with it. All my Canon gear is going to be sold. Anyone interested, get in touch with me. So, uh, yeah, that's something else. Uh, I was never influenced by somebody else as a photographer. I always had a good eye for the camera. When I look through the lens, I can see what's wrong. I always make sure to see what's wrong first. And if you see what's wrong with it, then everything else will be right. Sort out what's wrong and everything else will be right. That's what I always looked at, you know. I did a lot of uh, I did a lot of seminars around the world in the early days, so I, I, I picked up a lot of clues and ideas there. But what you've got to do is not copy. You've got to bring back those ideas and put your own stamp on it. That's what I did. And so that's how I uh, became a, a photographer for so long. And I was in Northside Shopping Centre for 30, 32 years. Uh, my my uh, favourite photograph with Shamrock Rovers, I've often been asked this, and I always say that, well, my favourite photograph is all my photographs of Shamrock Rovers, but that changed in 
in uh, 2011 in, in uh, Partizan, in Belgrade. Everybody knows why that is. And my favourite photograph from that was was with Gary Twig running onto the pitch with the scoreboard in the background. I thought it was a great photograph and uh, I was honoured when Carl and Macdera put it on the, the front cover of their book, uh, Tale of Times. I was honoured by that, I have to say. Uh, I also have a, a photograph which I took of the team that won the league in Bray uh, in 2010, which was the first league we won after being on the road for so long. And I wanted to get the, the uh, fans involved in that, so I, I did a montage with the team and the stadium in Tala, either side of them, and I like that photograph. You can probably have a look at that. Uh, favorite, and my favourite photograph, of course, with me in it would be the one that was taken last year. George took it on. It was with the cup, with the trophy after we won the league. We were presented with the league trophy last year. I'm in the photograph along with my son Johan and his son Dylan. So I love that photograph and I have it here on my wall framed and all. So yeah, uh, I have an old photograph from the past, which I have to tell you intrigues me. And it's one of Frank O'Neill after he got the cup in 1969. And uh, if anybody remembers Dalymount Park, you remember the parapet at the front. It had about, it was about nine inches wide. I was standing on that parapet using a rolly cord camera. Anyone knows photography would know how awkward a rolly cord was. And I got that photograph from standing on a nine, a nine inches wide parapet. How I did it, I don't know. I was only 22 years of age at the time. Probably it's something I certainly wouldn't attempt to do now. But I love that photograph and it always reminds me of the day I could have broke my neck. Yeah, so that was it. Uh, that was that. Uh, I, had a, I had a big mishap when, when uh, doing a wedding once out in Dundrum. I have my camera, which is a Hasselblad I used on weddings, and I had it on a, a tripod, and an old lady coming down the aisle bumped, pushing a pram, she bumped off my camera and knocked it over, which resulted the prism on the top of the camera came away from the camera. I was really stuck, and the fitting became bent, so I couldn't put it back. I had to run to a local shop and get some blue tack and hold the prism in place on a blue tack. Imagine holding a prism in place on a Hasselblad camera for the rest of the wedding. Got away with it, though, lucky enough, you know. Uh, I must tell you that um, a funny thing happened there recently when we had the Shelburne match, the nil all draw. I was sitting in the stand and Jack Wilson's two daughters, Paula and Val, were behind with the fans, but they um, they didn't like it over there. They were crushed, so they wanted to come over to the stand. They saw me in the stand and they went to the guy at the corner of the stand, anyone who knows Talker Park will know, and told them that Bobby Bess was their brother. He was sitting in the stand. They have to get in to see him. I thought that was ironic that the guy who saved this club and owns half of it nearly, uh, his two sisters used my name to get into to get into the stand. I thought that was ironic, to be honest with you. Yeah, uh, uh, I was motivated to take photographs all my life by because it was my it was because it was my my living. I made my living at photography, so that's what motivated me more than anything else as a photographer. And my favourite player this year, without a doubt. It's going to be Alan Manus. I think he's had a great season. Uh, the team has been playing great, but he's made some very vital saves that could have made great changes for us uh, to result some of our results. But um, a highlight of the season for me, strangely enough, is the game against Shelbourne just recently. Uh, the all draw, or not Shelbourne, sorry, Sligo, against Sligo when um, we won 3-1. And... Uh, I, I looked at this as a, as a European qualifying game because it was a huge match for us after Dirty won the night before against Pats and uh, we had to, we just had to send out a big message and we did, we sent out a big message that night. Yeah, that's my highlight of the season. I'm Pat Kehoe and I'm a photographer with the Shamrock Rovers media team. I became interested in Shamrock Rovers in the early 1960s when I arrived in Dublin 
from rural Ireland. At the time, Rovers were the team to follow. So I soon found myself in Milltown for most home games. Rovers had a great team in those days, and I still well recall players like Pat Courtney, John Kyo, Ronnie Whelan, Johnny Follum and Frank O'Neill. In terms of getting into photography, I own a cheap box camera over the years and I always enjoyed looking at photos. About 10 years ago, I had to stop playing golf due to a knee condition and it's then that I decided to get serious about photography. I joined a camera club and learned the basics. Landscape photography is my favourite, but I wanted to broaden out and do other things. Sports photography was the way to go as I loved all sports. When looking for some place to take sports photos, with my long-standing interest in Shamrock Rovers and with Tallis Stadium just up the road from where I live, the decision was a no-brainer. Of course, I had to convince Mark Lynch to let me in. In terms of gear, the, the cameras I used for landscape photography were too slow for sports photography, so I had to spend some money. I now own a Nikon D4, which shoots at 12 frames per second, and a Nikon D6, which shoots at 14 frames per second. I use a 120 to 300 millimeter lens for long shots, and I alternate between 24 to 120 millimeters and 70 to 200 millimeters for near shots. In terms of influences, I, I, I do not study or follow famous photographers. I view a lot of photographs and I try to use some of the stuff that appeals to me. Uh, in terms of favourite photographs, a couple of my favourite shots are ones are shots are yeah, one of a goal being scored against Longford Town in August of 12, 2012. This is the type of shot that every photographer strives to capture. A second favourite is a presentation of the League Cup on November the 19th, 2012. The third photograph in this series is not one of Shamrock Rovers, but it has intrigued me over the years. It is a team I played on in Toronto in 1969. Over the years, it disappeared and reappeared again several times in my house. I started to wonder what became of that team from, 20, from 50 plus years ago. I started to investigate with my good friend who was living in Toronto or still there. I turned out to be a story of many Irish immigrants, immigrants over the years. Little by little, most returned to Ireland. A couple have passed on and two more moved to the US. And my friend is the only one of that 1969 team who still lives in Canada. In, t in terms of pictures of myself, I detest being in front of the camera, so consequently there are no photo-related pictures of me. The one included was provided by fellow photographer George Kelly. Some of my moments in photography in the scariest moment, my, uh, my scariest moment of all was shortly after I took up photograph photography when I was at Clockley Bridge at Manacle Bride. I walked out on a great flat, flat rock, great flat rock, stepped on some slime, and went flying. My tripod went to the bottom of the river, and I stopped in the water with water up to my knees. 
Luckily, I was able to hold the camera above water, but I sustained a big blow to the back of my head and I was not able to move for some time. In terms of motivation, uh, my motivation is love of photography. I, I do not do it for monetary gain. It is my hobby and I am delighted to be able to indulge it at a magnificent Tallis Stadium. In terms of, of favourite players for the past season, uh, there have been a number in that category. I have a great admiration uh, for Alan Manis. He kept us in many games during the season. Also, Pico, Dylan Watts and Rory Gaffney. But my vote has to go to Jack Byrne. He bamboozles the opposition with his twisting and turning and I love his little dance when taking corners. My highlight of the year so far would have been seeing a European Cup club team coming to Tallaght Stadium and getting beaten. Robert Goggins. So what got me into following Rovers is really who got me into following Rovers. And that would be uh, Shani Blake of uh, Blake Brothers, who are one of Rovers' sponsors. Um, Shani and all of his cousins I used to hang around with in my younger days. And they were all Rovers' head cases. They never shut up talking about Rovers. And I already had an interest in the club, so I thought I'm missing out on something here. And really, the rest is history after that. Uh, how I got into photography was, I think I was getting ahead of myself a little bit back in the early 1980s when I wanted to um, do a bit of research on Rovers' history. It wasn't then there at the time, and I thought, well, I might as well do something. And um, I wanted to get a camera to get some photographs of Milltown and maybe from a couple of matches and stuff like that. So I bought my first uh, professional camera in London in uh, 1980 when I saw um, a bargain in a sale in the camera shop in Oxford Street. I didn't have the money, but my dad was with me, and... He gave me the money and he said I could pay him back. So I was really delighted to get that camera. And that's the first one that I got going with. I think then when uh, I was a program editor, I was looking for photographs that I wanted to get myself. We had Bobby Best came on board then as well. But I was attending all of the uh, schoolboy matches up in Kiltipper and I was doing match reports and stuff like that in the program. And I just wanted to get some photographs to go with those. That then progressed then when the club set up its own website and then we started putting uh, under-19 match reports and photo galleries onto that. And I started uh, taking more photos and getting more into it in that sort of a sense. Uh, how rovers and photography come together in my life? Well, I think that um, just moving to digital opened up a whole new world for me. Yeah, previously, I was using uh, old films, which were quite expensive, and you could only take so many. But once it all became digital, it just opened up a whole new world, as I say. I bought my first digital camera in 2005, and just meant that you could take whatever you wanted at any of the matches. And it was just great for website and galleries and so on. Uh, my role in the club, well, I've been program editor. I was program editor in the last season in Milltown. Again, in the period from 1996 to 2007, and currently from 2016. I'm the Academy Photographer, having travelled all over Ireland, north and south, and abroad to uh, places like Italy and more recently Holland with the Academy. Uh, I can sometimes spend an entire day at Roadstone with the various teams, 
But Sandy being able to work away in the clubhouse or the bar area during breaks during the day, it's so quiet there and you can get some editing and whatever done at that time. Um, I've always used nothing else but Nikon cameras. Um, I'm like that. If I'm happy with a brand, I'll stick to it. Uh, Nikon is reckoned anyway by most photographers to be the best for sports photography. I don't do photography for a living, so I only have what I need in terms of um, gear and equipment. I have a Nikon D90, which I don't really use anymore, and I have a D500 Nikon. The difference in each level as you go is amazing, but I couldn't justify spending maybe 10 grand on the camera. It's not my career, my full-time job. I have two zoom-in lenses, a 300mm and a 400mm. The latter is very heavy to be using for 90 minutes, so I mainly use the 300mm one. Uh, if anybody has influenced me at all in the world of, of sports photography, it's probably Ray McManus on Sportsfile. Uh, Ray and the late Jim O'Kelly founded the company back in the 1970s. They started out in a room below ground level in North Great George Street and it grew from there. Uh, Ray's first love was probably the GAA, but he was also one of the very few photographers who put a lot of time into photographing League of Ireland games going back over the years. He's published a lot of books covering GAA uh, football, the real football that is, and rugby. So I really like Ray's work. Um, do I have a favourite Rovers photograph from a game or moment? Um, well, I, I do. I think I would begin with this one. I mean, there are literally thousands out there, but I'd begin with this one, one that was taken by George Kelly in the dressing room before the 2019 Cup Final tells its own story. The entire group are gathered around in the vast dressing room in the huddle while Bradsom says it's final piece before the team head to the tunnel. In view of how the game went, I think that's an iconic moment. We hadn't won the cup for 32 years and the weight of history was on the shoulders of those guys and George captured it just perfectly. A uh, favourite photograph taken by myself. Well, again, so many to choose from. Um, last week I gave a talk to the TY class at Roadstone and what I do at the club in terms of hoopsie and the history part of the club and the books I've written. And I also showed some of my own favourite photographs to them. Uh, I have covered some first team games in the past, but generally I prefer to watch those games and support the team from the stands. It's probably no surprise then that my favourite photos would feature the academy. One I couldn't lay my hands on is from around nine years ago and it featured a Polish lad named Seb, who I captured celebrating after scoring for the under-16s against St. Pat's. He's turning and running away to celebrate with both arms fully raised into the air. And in the background, you can see the Pats keeper furiously thumping the ground with his fist. He was so annoyed, having conceded the goal. My absolute favourite photo is probably from an under-19 game at Tallis Stadium, taken about six years ago. The moment was a sliding tackle by Rovers own Morgan on Athlone's Ryan Gaffey, almost known for his tackles. And Gaffey seen in the photo bearing the full brunt of the tackle and being lifted six inches off the ground. I'm not sure what Owen is doing to himself these days, but thankfully Gaffey survived without any life-threatening injuries and is now serving with the Irish Army. Uh, a favourite picture with myself in it, um, to be honest, I hate seeing myself in photos, which is why I rarely post any of me on social media. One I do love though was taken by George at the launch of my FAI cookbook in the club shop in 2019. There's five others in the photo with me, but not just any ordinary five others. Uh, Pat Bourne, Jerry O'Brien and Mick Leach are to my right, while Mick Bourne and Jerry Mackey are to my left. Only one person in the photo is 
not a hero, and that's me, I can tell you. Uh, an old photograph from the past that has always intrigued me is that team photo from 1904-05. It more than likely is the first ever photo of a Shamrock Rovers team. At the time, newspapers didn't even feature photographs. Match reports were sometimes accompanied by an illustration. Photography was at its infancy. I've studied that photo and the names of the company at so many times that I've lost count. A lot of those players featured for us in 1899, so it holds tremendous historical value. I haven't had very many mishaps now, I have to say, to be honest, uh, thank God, but I haven't been so lucky this year. I had to ride off a fairly expensive lens after a freak accident during the Rovers on the 17s v Wexford game this year at Roadstone. One of our players made such a clearance over the line that the ball smacked against the camera with such ferocity, I didn't even see it coming. In fairness, he felt bad about it and twice he came over to ask me if I was okay. The Wexford manager also left the dugout and came down to see if I was okay, which was something I appreciated. I also had a minor mishap just a few weeks ago when I didn't realise photos I had taken from the game had automatically saved into a second folder. I needed space on the SD memory card as I was due to cover another game and I wiped out the second folder before I had taken anything off it. The hardest part of that was having to explain to the kids after what I had done. Uh, funny stories involving myself, um, it's not really, to be honest, um, but I did get a laugh this year in Budapest when Jack Bourne tore strips off me over the t-shirt I bought while over there. I actually managed to write a whole article about that in the next programme. I put the t-shirt onto mannequin in the club shop and took a photo to go with the piece. I offered the garment to Jack afterwards, but he said he'd borne it. I think he was joking anyway. Uh, I'm motivated for taking photographs uh, quite simply um, by Rovers. Rovers motivates me. As a historian, I think it's really important to have photos of our young stars that might be useful in the future. I have a photo of Gavin Brazuna when he was just seven years of age. Considering what Gavin has gone to, gone on to since, it's very satisfying to know that I captured a lot of the moments featuring him during his journey with us. My player of the year, well that's putting me on the spot because I'd probably be blanked by a lot of the first team players for not naming them. For me though, it would be Rory Gaffney. It might easily have been Pico though. I love when Rory's on the ball. His pace and his ability to hold on to it when under pressure is something not a lot of players can do. His ability to finish from tighter accurate, uh, acute angles is brilliant. I'd like to see him get on the score sheet a bit more though. And the highlight of the season I think on the pitch, certainly, it would be the game against the Dock on the Sunday after the team came back from a 4-0 defeat in Budapest. They destroyed the Dock that evening and won 3-0, as I'm sure everybody will remember. I feared there would be a hangover from the European game, but it was anything but. I interviewed Bradshaw after that game for his programme notes, and he agreed that the energy levels the players had shown in that game was very pleasing. Some great stuff there, Prof. Um, some real keen hobbyists, like you said, and some old school legends like George Kelly and Bobby Best. Um, top class from George Kelly. I love George Kelly. Top bloke. George actually has a, a great voice, I would say. Um, yeah, no, he really listenable, isn't he? He should. Uh, should I don't maybe should start a podcast or something. Like, I just, he just, I just love listening to him. Um, we had we had George and Bobby on together before years ago on the podcast. So, for those of you who remember that, they kind of delved into their into their past how they got into photography and all but that was more of a a, a quick summary of it but uh, great to hear him go over it again 
Um, interesting here about Bobby. When managers are sacked, you have to redo the squad photo. Um, and the, the example he gave was 96, wasn't it, where O'Neill and Everson were sacked after one game. So then you have to get everybody together again and put the new manager in the squad photo. Yeah, I thought that was quite though, You funny. might request to leave the trophies out that you didn't win. Yeah, that was that was another Bobby one, wasn't it? Uh, Stephen Kenny. Um, Bobby was chuffed that his one, his father was chosen to cover a tad of time. That was uh, Gary Twig celebrating one of the scoreboard in Belgrade. And just some notes again, some people forgot to choose little things, but then I followed up and you see them in the video. So just to sort of complete everybody's answers, Bobby chose for favorite photo. First team he ever saw, 1957. So that was the squad team. And Pat Kyo had a great pick for best photo. Um, we didn't give our own answers here. Um, I think I'd need about three weeks to decide what my favorite photo is. It'd take me ages. Uh, I, think, I think Pat Kyo possibly has the, the best pick here. Brad's there in the dressing room on his own just before the cup final. He's in his suit, he's got his head down, hands clasped, deep in thought. And as Pat says, very interesting image. Could be interpreted in a different way. Could be be interpreted as it's post-match and we just got hammered. It's very, looking back at it now, it's very, very cool because, you know, he's just sitting there thinking. This is the moment I need to fucking progress as a manager. I need to do something big. It's all or nothing. And it's brilliant. Excellent, excellent photo. Uh, good to hear from from uh, Jonathan there. Um, a young ultra mixed in with all the veterans and elder, elder statesmen in part two there. Yeah, led the um, charge in Ghent. He led the charge in Ghent with his, with his, with his camera fair play. Yeah, so quite, quite the mix of pros, hobbyists, veterans, understudies. Ultras, junior hoops, some interested in great action shots, some just more interested in fans or people. So I like the, the mix of answers in, in the hotline there. Yeah, excellent stuff. And great big shout out to all of them. And of course, we have a new entrance on the list of hatred. It is the Prosecco Prince, a.k.a. the Prosecco Pauper now. He's dead to us. How can, he's dead to us. Absolute. Flake, he's done. He's finished. <laughs> he's... He said he he, uh, he claimed that the ultras are currently not giving interviews, and oh, uh, I'm fun. there. I I'm there for. I'm in the town you're in for the Malda away game, and there's not many of us in there. It's like me, Mick McCarthy, Jer Fury, a uh, couple of other lads, and uh, so a couple of ultras come in. And this stage, I've already asked them on the hotline. So you've got the Prosecco Prince and you've got John. And, and John has just recorded his hotline. So I'm there, I'm there shooting daggers at, at, at the Prosecco <laughs> Prince. I'm like, across the room. I'm like, oh, they don't do interviews today. Your mate just beside you literally texted me his answers in the hotline. So yeah, he's dead to us. Um, lots of free publicity for Nick Conger. Yeah, Jesus Christ, yeah. Um, um, I love. You know who trying to get them sponsor the show? I love George Kelly's 
uh, you had a couple of stories. First of all, um, getting in the photograph with um, Mandela. Also, <laughs> uh, Trevor Crowdy ringing him by mistake because he thought he was the footballer, George Kelly. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was gas. And you'll see at the end of the video, uh, we have a special selection. Favorite GIF as chosen by Connor Foley. Oh, yeah. And you know what gift he chose, Gar? What? He chose the one with Ultras Davy celebrating in front of the crowd. And as Connor says, it looks like he's blind, but he's just reacting to the celebrations around him for the goal. So. It looks like he's blind. <laughs> it does, though. I know the one, yeah. It's actually a great show. Um, yeah, so Prof, very, very important one up next. Starting Nevins and predictions. Whew. Right, okay. So I am going to go with, um, I'm going to go Manus. I'm going to go Pico, Cleary, and Hoare. All's, all's good in the hood, hopefully. Hopefully, there's no injuries. Uh, I'm gonna start Fruja again. I think Fruja can really do do damage. Fruja and Lions again, definitely. Um, I think Fruja needs to be, needs to start this game to to progress as a player, and I think he's a confidence player now as well. He should still be confident after that performance. Uh, I don't know if Gary O'Neill is is Gary O'Neill injured. Um, I don't know what the story is. Is McCann back? Because I certainly won't be playing Finn. I won't be playing Watts alongside. Um, I won't be playing Watts alongside Jack Bourne or Bork. We're defensively frail when it comes to them three playing together. I'm going to put Richie Towell in. I'm going to put Richie Towell in beside Gary O'Neill. Let's. I think Gary O'Neill's okay so, from what I've heard. So that's on the left. It's t- Lions. Or on the left, it's Ferruja. Ferruja Lions on the left. They can change. Interchange between the two of them. Gary O'Neill and Towell in the middle. And I'm going to go Gaff, Bourne and Bork up top. I think I think we need, that. We need Bork to have a good game. And Jack and Gaff up top, I think that's going to work for us. No Watts, no Green, um, no McCann, but I think he's out injured. But I think that's probably our best team. That's probably our best one. What, what are you going to go for, Prof? Yeah, I, I actually wanted to bring Tell into, into the team himself. I know, um, yeah, it's a weird I, one, isn't it? I, yeah. I think he's kind of showed a few flashes. I, this could be, if he does start this game, I think we need a performance from him. I think he could be crucial. Um, no, I like your team. Um, I don't really have any any changes. I think yeah, Fruge is another important one. Uh, he should be full of confidence coming off the off the back of that game. We we had we had our criticism about him there at the end, but um, he was superb in that game. So yeah, I think if we get the likes of Tell and Fruge and of course Gaffney firing in all cylinders. Should have enough to be Pats. Um, oh, they're a farm team on the they're in farm Pats. I'm a little bit weary, but I'm very yeah. confident of our ability to turn it on at home against a Pats team that will ultimately be coming to look to take points off us. They're not coming up here to, to draw, or they'll be coming up looking to take points off us. But I'm I'm confident. Yeah, Pats and the Dock are they're still in that battle for third, so definitely have something to play for. Um. Yeah, every time this team is dealt with, though, 
like you look at the Dundalk 3 0 win. Every time, the, the, every time there's doubts, we just be, seem to come back with an impressive home performance. Yeah. You probably wouldn't I'm gonna go Sligo. A Sligo S performance at home. Yeah. And a big fucking a big fuck you to the haters. That's what you I'm wouldn't go call for. you wouldn't call the Shelburne three two an impressive performance. It was just we did we had to do with a win in the end. Yeah. But um Friday night football gear, we thought this was a thing of the past. But yeah, uh, it's back, back for one night on lights in Tallah Stadium. Where else would you want to be? I'm going for a three one win, prof. I'm gonna go a gaff brace and uh, Dan Cleary with a pile driver from 30 yards. Um, I'm, I'm saying a squeaky 1-0 win. Mm, I'm going to say Tell to get the win. I don't know why I'm so interested oh, in Tell for this I like match. But style, prof. I think it's due a goal. Due a goal in Tata especially. Yeah, I think so. so I'm yeah. thinking you might, you might could, be right there, prof. Could be the difference maker. Someone made up a WWE sort of uh, mock-up of uh, Barry Cotter they call the custody of Cotter match <laughs> the the fight for the right to uh, to even want them back I don't know but uh, he, should be, no. <laughs> he, should, he should be ineligible for this game I presume he is um, I wanted to call out as well my record this season or sorry Robert's record this season of games that I've not been at um, so for this reason I think it's very important that I recover and make it to the game Friday, Gary, because listen to this, nil-nil in Dundalk. One-nil defeat in Drada. We scraped a one-nil win in Finn Harps. Three-nil defeat in Bulgaria. Two-one win in Macedonia. That's obviously the, the standout one against my argument here. Nil-nil in Derry. Four-nil defeat in Hungary. Three-one defeat in Derry. 3-0 defeat in Norway, 2-0 defeat at home to Malda, and a 1-0 draw in Drada. Jeez, you really went to town on that one. That's my list of games I've not been at this season. <laughs> Prof, so, Prof has stats on himself. I I think it's crucial that I go on Friday, Gary. I think I should be mentioning the team news. I think I should say, like, at the bottom, Prof had a knock, but should be okay. Prof is actually physically here, so we're going to parade <laughs> it around. We're going to do a lap of honour beforehand. Yeah, so yeah, uh, prof. So that's it. We're uh, get you our hoops in Friday, second last issue of the season, and actually, the last league issue of the problem was 2022. So only Ghent is left. So get your hoops in. Prof has all the articles. Prof yeah. is the main man. Get is your usual uh, articles from yourself, from Maloney, from McDara. Um, there's an interview, interview with um, Dermot Looney, who we've had on the podcast before. Um, St. Pat's finally have a buke after how many years are these in existence now? 1928, is it, or something? Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, like Robbers have had like 15 books since then. St. Pat's only now have a book. Prof, of course you're going to buy it. Well, of course I'm going to buy it, yeah. But, um, they're gonna probably gonna be looking through for spell checks and everything. You'll be correcting yeah. them and all sorts. We've been talking about a hectic schedule for the players. Uh, can you spare a top for the hoop scene team, please? Because four programs in two and a half weeks. Monsters. Jesus Christ, this has been mental. 
mental, brilliant work from once again a fantastic crack team of uh, of Royer. So brilliant stuff again. Make sure you pick one up and prof. That is it for this week. It's a big one. It's the Diet Dublin Derby, the Lewis Derby, as it's known on Twitter. But it's a huge one. We urge you to get your tickets. It's gonna sell out. Pats of sold out their allocation. South Stand's gonna sell out. East Stand's gonna sell out. So's the main. Get down, support your team, and let's push this one over the line, prop. Let's make it two stars and twenty league titles. So that's it. And keep on hooping. See you.